Welcome to Reality Quest. Today is Valentine's Day, and Jay and I are sitting by some candlelight, just having a romantic evening. Sponsored by Yankee Candle. Ooh, yeah. is that what those are? I don't think I, so. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we are that big Sponsored yet. by your diffuser, your fancy diffuser. Oh, that's like a, a random knockoff Amazon brand. Hmm. Yeah, yes. but I mean, my I always mention my mom in all of these episodes, but she's the one that got me that. Oh, so shout this out. episode is Boop. De- yeah dedicated to and sponsored by what's your mom's name? Uh, Tara. Tara. Yeah. Silvis. Ta- no, oh, we did this last time too. Damn it. <laughs> no, okay. it's just Tara. I know it's complicated. Uh, life is thanks, Tara. Life's strange. Okay, well, we hope you all uh, enjoy this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jay and I are so awkward. Oh my god! I just want to—I want to vent, yeah, or yeah. confess that intros and outros are the hardest thing for us to do. Uh, it is literally the worst. I don't know sometimes, why. sometimes why? not. It's—we've actually had a pretty good streak. The last several episodes, the intro and outro, we've like nailed it. Literally, like fifteen minutes, we. Killed both of them, and we were done. Mm. This one, for whatever reason, we're just in the wrong mindset. I feel evening, like I'm so. a bit giggly, so it's been hard to yeah. do it. But I feel like when we're in the conversations, we have a much easier time with natural flow. But when we're doing these intros, outros, Doesn't it just feel natural it anymore. feels so unnatural. And so we just stumble. <laughs> and honestly, just I mean, when we first started this, do you remember our first intro, outro? Oh, God. It took like 10 hours. <laughs> Realistically, it was like a solid three or four hours. Just to get a few, you know, a few minutes of conversation. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was so, so bad. anyways, with that. Well, let's <laughs> just talk. What are we doing today? We are okay. bringing on Jude Dye. Yes. One of the most wholesome individuals you could come across. I don't think we've reused that word too many times. Yeah. We do tend to say wonderful for all of the humans. Yeah, Jay and I were like, how can we describe people without saying they're an amazing human being every (laughs) single time? But that is what they are. These all, we just have this luxury of talking with these amazing human beings. You are so great humans. You are so good. So good. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you know what? I'll stick to it. I say it too much and I'll stick to it again. Jude is an amazing human being. (laughs) Wonderful person. So wholesome. She is a lover of experience and getting out into the mountains. And she is also an ambitious entrepreneur who has come from a background in business, consulting, and product management. Yeah, she's she's a badass, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And she and I shared, we both used to work at the same company, PwC. I know, that's that was crazy. Yeah. I had no idea beforehand. Yeah, that was pretty cool for me. It's nice to it's always nice to meet people that have a similar background to you because especially in this industry, a lot of the people you meet have a software engineering background or just a tech background, computer, yeah. um, you know, engineering, computer sciences. And so meeting somebody that has a bit more of that business management, product management background, and seeing how she's been navigating this industry and how she's been adding her value to it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's comforting to to find like-minded yeah. people. I think we were all able to connect on that particular uh, topic pretty well, just given where you all had come from in the past. And I had spent the entire previous year uh, focused on like product and project management yeah. and consulting in general. So yeah. Um, we did mention briefly here that she is an entrepreneur. She has her own company. Oh, right. So basically, Immersive Square is the company that Jude started, which, by the way, she started it. She 
learned what VR was at a meetup and right. then immediately almost like started to jump into the industry and just decided to start up her own business. Yeah, within a year. She right. Was, she was organizing local events. Right. And helping uplift others who had their own sort of projects and endeavors that they wanted to get off the ground. Yeah. She's a total go-getter. And what's more than that is what she's doing through Immersive Square is something that's so beneficial to communities and people in general, but also the the furthering of VR and uh, giving it to the public or, right. or spreading it around to the public. Yeah. And so what Immersive Square does is they'll essentially they'll do pop-ups or they'll partner with events and organizations that are already going on and bring VR, tie it in some way or the other to an event that is already going on and essentially just bring it to the public. Totally. She really cares about just opening up accessibility to VR. Um, most people don't necessarily know about all of the hardware and, and new devices that are coming out. So one of the sort of central tenets of Immersive Square is to take VR and immersive experiences and overcome the geographical uh, disadvantage and bring it to where they live. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, one of the other things about her is that she goes beyond business. She's also an artist and she's a VR creator. She's mm. done some of her own experiences and she was also selected this past year for Oculus Launchpad, which is a special program that Oculus puts on for promising creators. Yeah, really exciting sort of uh, step forward for her and her whole endeavor. Yeah, so she's got this business mindset and business background, which is where the conversation essentially starts, uh, talking a little bit about her background and, and how she got into VR and what, where she started pulling from in, in terms of her experience. But she's got that. She's got this artist mindset where she's also creating and she's got this connection with nature and the world and this grounding. She's just got a really deep, balanced perspective on life. And she's just wise, man. You know, she's just super wise. I felt like listening to her. I was like, yes, just tell me more and like comfort me about the world. Be my sensei in yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think there's a lot of solidarity to be felt here, I, I hope, as people listen, because all of us, the, the people who are listening uh, and the people who are, that are part of the industry and people who are interested in working in the industry, uh, anyone... Anyone who's felt that strain over the past however many years yeah. of the ebb and flow of popularity of VR, really. Right. They can understand what she's what she's going through and she's so yeah. honest about it all and what i really appreciate is it's really easy to try to put on a face about all of this and say like everything's going well and uh you know i'm super successful and everything's yeah. moving forward and she's just kind of like yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll work out. I'm going to check back in in two years because like we'll this is honestly <laughs> a bit, uh, you know, infeasible for, you know, it's not a big money maker in terms of trying to tackle VR right now because it's just not widespread. Right. And so everyone's just fighting that good fight, knowing that you could technically have a way more lucrative business doing something else in a different industry. And so she's sticking to it so far. And we love hearing about her journey and hope that she continues to stick with it. But that's enough of that. I'll stop yapping. I feel like <laughs> you get the sense that we love Jude. We hope you love her too. And just enjoy the episode. Right? Jay? Do you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Let's just, let's get right into it. I don't think we need any we more dialogue a, on We don't have a line. Do, Want to do the do here's it. Jude? Hey, Jude. Oh, 
no, ready? Let's Don't. do here's, <laughs> Ju- here's Jude on one, two, three. Ready? Okay. One, two, so, three. three. So here's Jude. So there's a one thing that is uh, very important. Well, Staples means a lot to me was as an immigrant, I have to... Uh, get work sponsored visa yeah, yeah. Oh, right. and a work sponsored um, uh, green card. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, it's a very long process, yeah. and you have to stick to uh, one certain type of job mm-hmm. yep. and one certain type of uh, company. Yeah, throughout the process. Yeah. lucky I liked the company, <laughs> and they moved me around within different. Uh, you allowed groups. you to do different roles, and yeah, and, okay. So they were they they were part of the process of really enabling you to to be, or gain citizenship or what was the what was the transition? I think so. Yeah, I think just to help me help me to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They gave you <laughs> no, a, a way true. of security. Gave me a way of security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of my really close friends is Jamaican, and she's going through that and having a lot of trouble. She's so smart. She studied studied actuarial mathematics. Wow! Like, yeah, I've never even heard of that. Field. Yeah, <laughs> and I couldn't even tell you about it. That's how smart <laughs> it is. <laughs> but uh, she has been struggling in New York because she only has so many job opportunities because she has to get sponsored and exactly. and and so just that in itself is hard enough and is very threatening to your position in your career. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with like the next step is do you actually like that job? Mm-hmm. Is that actually the best skill that you can do like and that, advance your career need. at? And it's like you don't even have the the time or the the opportunity to to care. Yeah. You imagine. have to just accept the job and, and do what you're doing and try exactly. to continue working for them. So yeah, I right. imagine make the best people, out of it. Basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd imagine most people probably don't even have that luxury. It's <laughs> that so just, you find something that you can do Very yeah. lucky. And, and just cling on to it because that's the only thing that's going to keep, right. give you a position to stay in the country. Yeah. Right? Oddly yeah. enough it is. Yeah. yeah. And you, Jude, felt lucky it seems like to enjoy what you did at Staples and you were doing product management right I started with their uh, internal audit group oh okay that, oh, it, okay. that was an extension from uh, my uh, uh, audit firm background right yeah. right um, and um, again very lucky because got the chance to see every single business operation of a big company yeah from supply chain to treasury and really yeah. helped me mm-hmm. to understand how different parts of a company are putting together. Right. So how did you, did you move into product management while you were there at Staples yeah. eventually? How did that, how did that transition happen? Cause I've, I've been talking to a lot of people about PMing or mm-hmm. product management for the last few years now. Cause it just keeps coming up. Right. Um, and it always seems like there's certain types of people, certain types of personalities that always tend to get or gravitate towards that kind of position. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it always seems a little bit more difficult to to pin down exactly why that is, and then also who is telling you when you're going through school, like, oh, well, you're learning to be a PM. Like, were you ever taught that? No. <laughs> or, yeah, like yeah. that's not a job that you go and you just go to school for. <laughs> yeah, PM is a not. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's a relatively new type of a uh, job. Yeah. Responsibility, a role in in companies mm-hmm. and. Um, 
I I think when I was in Staples, uh, there weren't any product management group until mm. when I uh, start to be interested in digital, uh, and then uh, that's the time they started to form product team. Okay. And then uh, I have had established great relationship when doing internal audit with different groups. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the day and the head <laughs> of that, uh, the product team mm-hmm. approached me and say, you know, let's make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what about that position did you like? Oh, a lot of, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of uncertainty. It's a, it's a, it's a, for, it's a, it's a new organization. It's very much about defining your responsibility, right? And defining the success factors. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of um, up and cross type of um, um, skill set. Inter- interdisciplinary. Interdisciplinary. So, yeah, um, broad perspective. Yeah, broad perspective. And also um, it gets very technical, which I like. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. which is an interesting thing about that type of role is that mm-hmm. you have to have a broad perspective and be able to look at things from a lot of different angles, but also be able to dive deep whenever whenever the need arises. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a very much the deep deep generalist type of role. That's an interesting way to put it. Very interesting. A yeah, deep generalist. Never... <laughs> that <laughs> is exactly what Jay is. <laughs> very deep generalist. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean that in as a compliment. (laughs) Well, I think the the sort of thing that's really been um, like going like bouncing around my brain about this for the past year or so is that growing up, uh, so many people are will tell you, you know, don't you don't want to be a jack of all trades, right? Because you'll be a master of none. You won't get good at any particular thing, and then especially more recently and in the tech industry in general, you have like product teams and you're just talking about how Staples established a sort of a product team or a number of them. And that's when the need arose for someone that could have this sort of broad general skill set across mm-hmm. a lot of different mm-hmm. domains, but also was able to just dive deep on different things as they come up and adapt quickly and tackle an open-ended situation like that. Yeah. That's like, that's hard for most people to, to do because if yeah. you're focused at all. <laughs> well, then the business process and the, uh, the, the, the background yeah. of evaluating business process back in the consulting firm really kicking right away. Yeah. 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 I guess there's that perspective that you gain from working on all kinds exactly. of problems. Yeah. I think uh, looking back, all the different jobs you do, there's mm. a, it, it, it's a building block that you get. Yeah. And you will never know what house you're going to build, right? <laughs> no one tells you this is the template you're going to go in, with your life. Yeah. But <laughs> just collect your building blocks as you go. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, you will know. You'll That's find out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what you're building. <laughs> Don't throw <laughs> those building blocks away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love your that. Your like... Hey, we bought this land. You've never seen it before, but here we're gonna drop you in, and here's a bunch of materials. Yeah, figure solve out solve your own problems. Yeah, figure out what <laughs> what makes sense. Right. Yeah, there's a Steve Jobs quote about that that I'm going to absolutely butcher, but it's <laughs> because I'm not I'm not the type of person that quotes things and can remember it. It's all right, <laughs> but it has something to do with basically like you you know it won't make sense until later on like you look back and suddenly all of the pieces come together and you understand yeah. what you were set out to do but it makes it really hard when you're getting there and you can imagine for somebody mm-hmm. like him 
there was probably a lot of people telling him along the way, you know, that he was crazy, um, especially, you know, and, and actually in things like the XR industry, mm-hmm. especially yeah. you're, you're creating building blocks and, and we don't understand really what we're creating yet or, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's not there. So there are even industries and things in life that make it even harder for you to understand what you're building towards. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's just a, that's a, that's the general problem in tech is that because things are evolving so quickly, mm-hmm. um, you're always like there's always somebody that has to jump into that unknown space, try to start prodding around and figuring out what might work. And yeah. then it doesn't really, like you just got to be comfortable with it, not fully making sense until you get to somewhere where things start to solidify and you can reflect back and say, okay, here's things that we're actually doing right. These things we can, you know, do better on, but now we kind of have our direction. <laughs> yeah. But nobody's yeah. laying that out for you. Right. No. Yeah. To begin with. I, I have an analogy for the XR industry, right? It's, you know, you, you're on an island mm-hmm. and it's not a reasonable expectation to ask us, uh, where is the toilet? Where is the, <laughs> where is the uh, townhouse? Right? Where's yeah. the, uh, t- uh, where is the church Where's or whatever? You know? like, <laughs> yeah, we are just, uh, we just arrived and we're trying to figure out a way how far is to the the other side of the island. Right. So it's not yeah. a like reasonable expectation. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> how much land is out there? <laughs> uh, where is the toilet? I love that. Right. <laughs> You're oh, like, first man. things first, I need to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of building blocks, so in your road to... VR. Um, what <laughs> were you thinking? So I, you're at Staples for 10 years. Right. And what was going on in your head then in terms of your future? So I always liked experience. Yeah. That for sure that I knew. Like user experience or customer uh, experience. experience? No, yeah. life experience. Life experience. Yeah. Okay. I always, I always uh, were gra- uh, uh, gravitated towards experience and very curious about... Uh, different culture and different country and things so, happening. Okay, so like experience places. from different perspectives and for yeah. different people. Yep. And, okay. And um, and I paid attention to that and um, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, be brought to the CIFX. Uh, CIFX. 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 Oh, okay. CIFX. I think that was the one of the first big uh, conferences in Seattle. Really? Okay. I didn't know that that was... <laughs> I'm going to say that old, meaning (laughs) (laughs) three three years years. ago. Oh, that was four years? Well, well, I think three years ago. Is that how quickly did you, I guess this all goes back to how quickly you decided, how how quickly you jumped ship. (laughs) Oh, how (laughs) quickly? Well, because if if you're saying CIFX was one of the first times you experienced Mm. VR, Mm. well, and you started working in VR in 2017, it's 2020 now. Right. But the consumer headsets didn't come out until 2015, 2016, right? Correct. Like the DK1. So I'm just shocked that CIFX already existed before 2017. I think they they were the first ever VR related conferences I went to. CIFX was? Okay. That's cool. Pacific Science Center. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so so that was the first first one. Um, You know, I moved. 
I, I moved to Seattle uh-huh. in 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the first year was, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, the job is great. The job. So uh, Seattle what opened a, Seattle, uh, it's, it's a Staples. So oh, they, sta- oh. Staples oh, had, a, moved with had an innovation lab that uh, needed oh. some people over. And I was looking for something different. So I moved okay. over. I was looking for something new uh, to experience. And yeah. uh, somehow Cifex just came up in mm-hmm. my meetup or whatever. <laughs> and then um, I uh, went there. Yeah. And okay. uh, I bought a three-day pass and was just uh, going in and out to pretty much try every single thing that's available there, that yeah. was available there. And uh, I was blown away. It was, as a, it was, it was very, very um, immersive given, um, you know, I, it was my first uh experience with immersive technology and it was a huge conference with all different type of technology right. yeah yeah do you remember what the first one that really stuck with you uh was like um of, of all of the different vr experiences that you tried there like which one kind of sticks out in memory i i th- i think it was the uh, 360 piece called uh, cloud over city cloud Cloud oh over. right, oh. Um, uh, clouds over Sidra or something. Sidra, yeah, mm-hmm. right. That sounds very familiar. And that was it. That wasn't. Um, it, it's like a documentary style three hundred and sixty okay. right. video. Yeah, but was it a refugee camp? No, something like that. Okay, it was about kids um, playing soccer, just a their life. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So a day in the life playing soccer at a refugee something camp, like that. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, the, the reason it, it, it stuck with me it was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really the first time I was able to live being being be so close to a culture and a life that I would never be able to see. Yeah. Right. And um. And when I took off my goggle, I remember there was um chair like five six people were. Uh, viewing at the same time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I w- when I took off my goggle, I was very touched. I almost, yeah. I almost, I think I almost cried. <laughs> Maybe I cried. Maybe well. I cried. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, I, and I looked around and I saw people were wiping their uh, eyes oh, as wow. well. Yeah. So in my heart, it was like this is something that really have potential. Yeah, it goes back to that sort of. Um power of vr to generate empathy or create strong empathy for people yeah Um, i know which is hard because i feel like such an overused (laughs) statement yeah yeah. i I feel like we just keep recycling that statement and it's like i don't know how to talk about it sometimes right it's like what does it really do i mean is it really empathy or is it more like just the fact that it's literally putting you somewhere and giving you an experience that you literally can't have otherwise, which isn't necessarily, I mean, yes, that's called empathy, like kind of putting yourself in someone else's shoes and seeing how they live. Mm -hmm. But you could argue that in a lot of ways for documentaries and that it's just like one step more than that. But it's almost like I struggle with us constantly recycling that statement because it's like in the case that you're talking about, Jude, and I've had similar experiences where it's just like, I mean, I'm by nature an empathetic person. Yeah. So what is it really doing for me? Is it making me feel even more empathetic towards these people? Or is it just that 
I'm just literally living something and experiencing something that I've never seen before in a way that I've never experienced Mm -hmm. before that is very touching and realistic or it just kind of almost shocks you because you've never experienced something like that. Whether it's something very real, like a 360 video of a refugee camp or about war Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, or if it's something like one of my favorite first ones, it was called like Take Flight. Do you remember this one? Mm-hmm. It's just so silly. But it was just like you're kind of flying over these cabs. <laughs> and then you start stop and you start rising up into the air. Mm. And then in the air, there's like a bunch of celebrities. It's like <laughs> <laughs> what? It's like Alec Baldwin. Like they start just kind of appearing in the air and yeah. you're like floating around with them. Oh, so I the, remember I saw it. Yeah. Something it was like, like that, one yeah. of the first experiences. And I'm like, I don't know who. <laughs> I'll have to find out, like, who created it, if you can still watch it, all this stuff. But it was, like, just the fact that I could fly over these this, like, traffic and kind of be the camera, like, moving across. And then right. I would rise up. And it didn't make me sick or anything yeah. because of the way it was done. And then suddenly I'm literally flying in the sky, like, hanging out with Alec Baldwin and some other celebrities. <laughs> I mean, to me it's, like – so perfect it's like what you would never get that experience otherwise right um so and that's not giving me empathy i'm not like oh now i really know what it's like to fly with alec baldwin (laughs) and so i'm gonna think differently you know yeah i don't know i guess i guess i'm interested in your thoughts dude because i also know that you are a big fan of more experimental i'll call it or or non- gaming, right. non definitely non-shooter gaming right, experiences. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so given some of those first interests, do you, do you have a way yet to talk about with people that don't understand like what it does for you? Like why is it unique in that regard? Yeah, that's actually, you brought up that try not to overbeat the word empathy too much. I agree with you. Yeah. We, we jump into labeling uh, too much <laughs> yeah. and then that that word doesn't mean anything yeah so it's like you are doing a performance review on someone you say you're great not specific enough yeah. right yeah yeah what do you mean it's i think it's important to explain the feeling and be more specific mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i've had a success in describing um to uh, people who never tried VR mm-hmm. in almost like a movie script way. Mm-hmm. Just describe what it's oh, about, right. leading people. So if you can describe an immersive experience without goggle, mm-hmm. then that's successful. Right. That's all storytellers should do, mm-hmm. right? You stand mm-hmm. up and you start to talk about the scene and leading people into the scene. Mm-hmm. And then people wanted to do it. Yeah, right. And then the the ex- the experience inside of Google only totally mirror what you've talked about right. and uh, blow people away with uh, how the technology can bring that world in front of you. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I had a success in terms of being more um, descriptive, uh, specific right. about what, what's inside instead of saying it, it will make you an empathic person, whatever. I think right. that's just labeling. Yeah. So, so instead of just using this kind of simplified term of mm-hmm. it creates empathy, um, you've found it works better to uh, like kind of create a sort of rich, imag- like you l- allow them to use their imagination by yeah. describing that scene and they can kind of picture and generate that sort of experience right. and get a much better idea. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, that makes sense to me because if you think about TV, let's say, a television. Mm -hmm. So if someone was just trying to describe a blanket statement of Mm -hmm. what television can do for us, well, there's so many different things, and Mm -hmm. it depends on the program, and it depends on who you are and what you enjoy, and it depends on how that – I mean, with TV technology advanced in a lot of its own ways, still still essentially bringing some of the same – you know, the, the, the flat screen capabilities, but like yeah. adding color and getting better with resolution and all of these things. But ultimately, if you were just to say like, oh, well, it provides entertainment and it provides a way for you to watch a movie or watch the news. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not describing the real value exactly. that it yeah. brings that's us. That's not actually yeah. different. Right. Because we're not like, how often do we really just talk about like the television we mm-hmm. have other than yeah. like once in a while we upgrade you know, and and we start talking about it then. (laughs) But I love that, what you said, Jude, because it's like, well, we don't really talk about the television. We talk about the latest TV show we watched Mm -hmm. or the movie, and we describe it that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what draws people to it. Exactly. So I had a thought about VR being this sort of, like if television, um, we, especially for like, I guess in the earlier days when it started to take off and you basically all kids were watching TV or on Saturday morning cartoons and everything and all of the debate around like, oh, it's rotting your brain and it limits people's development of imagination. Why, like, are, are, we, are we still going to have to struggle with those kinds of things with VR in that if you can describe someone to something in the right way you can actually get them to evoke all this rich um, visual and experience in their mind Um, and often people talk about VR as if it's this sort of solution to just to just create empathy and like make make people feel things but at the same time you can do that through exactly what you're just talking about by actually getting someone to be able to envision and understand what you're talking about yeah, I feel um, so. VR is a, another type of medium, right? And yeah. then storytellers, storytellers, just, mm-hmm. it's it's different. Yeah. So you have story use different medium to can engage people through many different. And mediums. you are a good storyteller, period. Mm-hmm. No matter what medium you use. Yeah. But I do think VR is the most immersive medium for storytellers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That also goes back to. Do I love game? I I love game. I love game with the stories. I love game. Mm-hmm. I love the gamification elements of any games. Mm-hmm. I think there are interesting uh, VR experiences, VR games mm-hmm. that um, help people to uh, train their skills or ask more questions, have curiosity around subject matter inside of the game. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, but there are certain games just pure for repetitive motion, I just don't get it. So yeah. those are the games, particularly the violent games. I think that's um, that will make people think more uh, the negative aspect of VR, mm-hmm. which will hurt the industry yeah. at the end. Yeah. Right. So you had this experience at CIFX. Yes. Mm-hmm. And from that, so that was just like a random weekend for you, It was right? just a random weekend yeah. looking for things to do. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So what is your thought process after that? Because that, how, what was the time, like the duration between that experience, like the, the, the path from there to where 
you started to actually work and decide to work in VR? So when I uh, so when I thought about immersive square, that was before I decided to start with a immersive experience, quote unquote VR. When I th when I think about immersion, I actually back then before I uh, was exposed to VR, I was more thinking about um, you know cultural immersion, a very um, unique uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. um, that's more intimate and mm -hmm. maybe offsite. And I wanted to create a um, hub for that kind of mm -hmm. experiences. And I even started designing. It was nothing related to VR. <laughs> and then I was started to look at how does it differ different from, you know, how's it different from any travel experience out there? Mm -hmm. Right. And how does it tie to uh, the future and how does it tie back to my digital and technology background? Mm -hmm. So I was uh, just stop and go with that idea while I'm I was still working yeah. uh, in Staples and until I went to the um, Civics and of course I need to spend time to do research in VR yeah. and uh, I uh, went to meet up and things like that mm -hmm. and uh, I decided to start with something that is completely immersion right. Com yeah very i feel i feel looking back at that was a great decision because it, yeah. it is truly a great combination of storytelling technology and art mm -hmm. it's it's a it's it's a perfect interception of what i'm interested in mm -hmm. and what i'm good at mm -hmm. yeah so so the company that you started is Immersive Square. Mm -hmm. And that still exists today. That's what you're still, still doing exists. today. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. Still around. So, so, yeah. so you got started with that shortly after? Or uh, I guess af shortly after CIFX? Oh, uh, probably a uh, year after that. Okay. I, gotcha. Because I marinate with that idea for a while. I mm. I pivoted before I started, right? From yeah. a, a travel-ish type of uh, uh, experience app into um, immersive experience, which yeah. is which is VR. And yeah. when you say immersive experience, the like the goal, what what is the the intended goal of the experience so, for the people using it? So that's that goes back to then after I decided to get into the uh, VR. Back then we called it VR. Now we call it XR. There were two ways of getting into a new industry, right? Uh -huh. uh, there's an into it, there's around it, right? So into it is you, I can, uh, I, was, I was learning Unity and uh, okay. um, being a more of an experienced uh, uh, production person uh -huh. and then okay. just build experience. I have stories yeah. in my head I wanted to build, but uh, I... Um, after doing user research back then, a lot of people were feeling um, not ready to buy a headset. Yeah. Mm, so and and I and then I feel okay for this industry. I want this industry to be successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for this industry, there are there's some work to be done to bring awareness to the general public. Yeah. Um, so I think it's needed and it's value added. Uh, so I decided Immersive Square will be bringing people to a physical space okay, and uh, bring a uh, VR experience to them. Right. So no matter what kind of experience, right, it could be now, now fast forward two years, uh, the physical, uh, let's, call, let's, let's say physical experience or location-based 
I, I try not to use the word entertainment. I try mm-hmm. to replace yeah. the E with experience, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. location-based <laughs> experience. Uh-huh. You, there's so many different flavors of it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what Immersive Square is. So Immersive Square okay. is basically just bring people to a physical place yeah. to interact with uh, uh, immersive technology and experience. Okay. Right. I think it would be beneficial to try to kind of uh, give an explanation of at least how you've defined uh, the difference between, like, what is the key difference between entertainment versus experience? What makes something entertainment versus an experience? That's a good point. So my own definition of it. Um, without Googling or anything, right? <laughs> so I think entertainment is very much a shallow level of uh, experience. It's more for stimulation. It's more yeah. for consumption. Mm-hmm. Okay. And experience is... Or a passive consumption. It's more passive consumption. Yeah. Experience is more a um, very in-depth, uh-huh. and it is a, it could be a very much an exchange mm-hmm. of thoughts and experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is very much uh, living it rather than consuming it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I define from my perspective. Okay, so I'm getting elements of like interaction um, often, where like there are maybe there's some sort of interaction with other people involved sometimes, or you're well, you could have interaction in an entertainment thing. That's uh, yeah. I was I kind of wanted to play devil's advocate on that because I um, just because I think video games in particular right, are interactive. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, I think it's more of the depth of connection. I was connection. just thinking that. I was like, <laughs> the, I, I, yeah. yeah, it's the connection versus the interaction. Yeah. So, it's like selfie versus <laughs> really, really love the nature. Yeah. Right. Right? You go to Mount Rainier, you take selfie in front of Mount Rainier, that's entertainment for you yeah yeah but you go there and you really really enjoy and smell the 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 just listen to the sound yeah. and, and smell the flavor of the <laughs> forest that's experience yeah. Yeah. maybe you sit down on a cliff and just kind of absorb yeah. your presence in that space exactly than just looking at it and seeing right. the beauty and then leaving yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it takes time to yeah. experience which the the lines definitely get blurry um, because there's there's like things that could uh, merge into that sort of entertainment category, but also have a lot more depth um, and become more of an experience rather than just a passive absorption. But yeah, um, I think well, it's a natural progression of uh, yeah. entertainment. Yeah. So if you look at as it increases in depth. Yeah, it's so experience. So, so if you look at the you know the growth of our uh, experience as a, as a humankind, right? Uh-huh. Um, we'll we'll solve our hunger issue, yeah, survivalship, and we want to be productive, so we have fast food, yeah. And now we move into organic food. We really enjoy every single meal, you know, from farm to table. Mm-hmm. It's very similar in entertainment. The more we have access to a certain subject matter, mm. the more we want it to be better. And that is when the lines start to blur. Yeah. So I that's why I really think experience is the blue ocean for us the rather ocean. than entertainment. Blue ocean means that it has no boundary, it has no limit. Oh, right. Gotcha. I've mm-hmm. never heard that expression before. The There's a ocean. book called the Blue Ocean. Oh. Yeah. So it's 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 not red ocean. 
Red Ocean is people who are working in a limited field and okay. resulting pricing war and competition. A finite space. A finite space. Yeah. And then Blue Ocean is user imagination defining new spaces. Yeah. And then sky is the limit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me with the XR industry, obviously, because, I mean, it's just like anything else. You start this new industry, everyone's trying to just take over the, the same things that already exist and reapply it. Mm -hmm. mm. And then it's not quite working for them. So they're like, well, this is, a, you know, this industry is a piece of shit, you know? And my so, <laughs> God, like, ah, it's all going down the tubes, you know? But it's yeah. like they're not thinking in the blue ocean. Yeah, you're thinking in the red ocean of all of the entertainment that right. existed before. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting. I'm a really big fan of models. Okay. What what model? 3D model yeah. or financial model? Uh, uh, <laughs> concept, conceptual model. Conceptual model. Okay. Yeah. For anything. He's laughing because like I'll make fun of him for that. Okay. <laughs> well, like in in trying to get a grasp on a set of concepts, I always like to try to create some sort of structure for the key things mm -hmm. or key factors. So like in this case, I'm thinking of a, uh, a spectrum basically where pure entertainment, meaning like pure just stimulus, it's just exciting to you in some sort of way, even down to just uh, I'm playing um, Candy Crush on my phone and mm -hmm. it's keeping me engaged because I'm just, it's stimulating my mind. Maybe not in the, the most deep manner. And then on the other end of that spectrum, which continues further than we know um, at this point, you have the sort of growing depth and breadth of what experience can be beyond just stimulating, but sort of growing in like its richness and you add all these different layers and levels um, and just different colors to that whole space of possibility. And yeah, I, I, can, bounds are yeah, I can see that. Uh, except I would not put a spectrum which is a linear okay i would rather put it in a circular okay. because whether you choose one type of in entertainment or experience to rewind or uh, relax mm -hmm. is is your need you are engaged you cannot force people to say you really should do a therapeutic yeah. experience <laughs> if you really like to do sudoku right different mm -hmm. people will have a different ways of unwinding mm -hmm. so i would say circular Sometimes my radar scan will hit better with uh, just a repetitive experience. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need a full immersive uh, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would like to have uh, motion and uh, acting and uh, active and very um, sporty experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it give people uh, a choice and the tools to make the right choice. Yeah. 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 I guess there's no implication that that the more pure sort of like mindless, but not in a bad way, sort of entertainment yeah. is a necessary thing. Like right. just being able to sometimes sit down and just stare at a fire for a while and, <laughs> and kind of zone out like that's necessary. Right. <laughs> just be fascinated by the flames. It's just really pretty colors in front of your face. And that can draw you after a really long week doing all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, when you just need to wind down or you want to dive into some sort of really complicated story or book right. or, or experience in VR. Exactly. On the other end. Yeah. What made you, Jude, decide to work in right now with Immersive Square? It's an app and a mm -hmm. website mm -hmm. where you can go and find events that are happening and go to a location where 
uh, you might pay a certain amount of money or it might be free and you go there and you can experience XR mm-hmm. um, and other people are coming to you having their, their, what they're putting on, on your app or website to market it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're so in love with experience, whether that's in real life or a uh, depth of experience in real life. I mean, like you've said, um, that's what you like. You seem to like travel a lot. You love hiking, all of that. That's what motivated you to get into VR. And so, but the, what you ended up working on is providing it, making it accessible for other people. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to go that route versus going gung-ho into some sort of like, I want to produce experiences, which I know you also do that, Yeah, but obviously your baby is the, is immersive square. Yeah. I, I think, them together. yeah, I think a bring people together is really, um, my passion. Even, uh, we can talk about later about the, the lantern experience is still a, 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 an app VR experience about connecting people. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, so going back to what was the reason to start, uh, immersive square, uh, being a place where people can find and experience, uh, VR. Uh-huh. Um, it was, uh, so it was part of it was a business decision, right? It, because the, um, headset, um, uh, ownership is not uh, at the tipping point where uh, the produced content can be easily distributed to ev- everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, someone in the industry will need to do that type of work to make it um, easier for a general public to just open up the accessibility. Just too. really open up the accessibility because it takes a, a lot more steps for a general public, a uh, general user to. Uh, be aware of VR, think about I can buy a headset, doing research which headset to buy, look for content, and then pay for it. Right. Right? Versus uh, one stop. Here, click the app, and then two days later, you can go participate in a VR experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So so it's all about the friction of adopting adopting a certain technology and a certain media, a certain experience. Barrier to to entry. Exactly. Utilizing it. Yeah, in the future, I would say uh, it could be, uh, Immersive Square could be completely virtual Mm -hmm. if the headset ownership is there. Yeah. Or it's a broad... Or it's physical Mm -hmm. and digital. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter, but from a product standpoint... You have a vision that you, the vision is to bring people who are far apart together Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, make people's connection deeper when they are together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So this doesn't necessarily mean people will have headset at home, Mm -hmm. uh, be on a couch and talk in a virtual space. It doesn't, it's it's physical and the the digital line will ultimately blur. That's Mm. what I believe. But the connection is really, uh, is is never going to go away. That is a consistent dynamic and need that will continue to be a part of life. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely makes sense from both your your personality and like you said, in terms of where we are in the industry and its its own life cycle. Right. Um, What made you so in love with experiences and connection you have you always had that hmm it's part of probably i came from a culture i think uh, chinese culture is very family driven mm-hmm. our food is served on a round table 
<laughs> and uh, it's a family style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are served. You everything is in one big plate. Yeah, and um, it's very different from the Western food where you get your own portion and your own uh, plate, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, so totally. growing up in that is 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 I I feel it's a very healthy way to to live, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I also feel there is definitely an increasing trend for. Teenagers to just stuck on their uh, cell phone and without looking, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, looking up. I have, I saw so so many people in uh, in the restaurant when the couple are eating on the same table, but instead of talking to each other and have oh, eye contact, yeah. they just check their phone. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I feel it is correlated with the depression. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think a connection is ultimately. Is deny it or not, mm. be antisocial or not, connection is what we crave. Yeah, yeah. As a as a uh, species, mm-hmm. I mean, people. That's why people are looking at their phone all the time because they're waiting <laughs> for the next like ping or text. I message. Don't know. I don't have yeah. a theory for that, I, but I I only know connection makes people happier. Just coming from this conversation, I'm 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 starting to feel like okay, well, we've had this problem that has been developing with phones over time, where we have this essentially very small and narrow conduit through which to communicate. Right. And that's become the way that everybody communicates with one another now. But if we fast forward and we can actually improve upon that and basically open it back up to overlay it on reality, and we don't have to talk through this device all the time, yeah, then we can get back to a healthier way of interacting with everything around us. I, I agree. I think if we take ourselves out of the timeline mm-hmm. And I would say flat screen, touch screen is a very working progress piece of product <laughs> in human race. Yeah. And if you really take yourself out of timeline, this was just like a dot in right. history. Yeah, yeah. A speck on that. And, and the next step is going to be a more immersive version. Mm-hmm. Connection can be physical and digital. The key thing is to provide people the choice. Yeah. But people don't have choice now. Yeah, it's the only way. It's the only way, exactly. (laughs) And I'm looking forward for immersive technology to be there Mm. and so easily accessible and become a uh, a natural choice. People can still choose to be here. Right. uh, Physically. Go mm. to a bar to watch uh, watch a uh, a sport. Uh, yeah, but can also be at home. If I am in China, I want to watch uh, football, <laughs> right. and I can actually finally do that with yeah. my right. friends. Right? Yeah. So. It's so funny because Jay and I just keep finding this theme of connection, and a lot of the conversations we're having, which yeah. was totally unexpected. You sit down and have a lot of conversations with people about the XR industry. You would think that we'd be talking about other things. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just obviously everyone, especially people outside of the industry, talk about how it's isolating. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. everyone we talk to, I mean, it's all about connection. It's really fascinating how how many people involved are understand that the power that it brings to that Mm -hmm. and how instead of isolating us more and more, which I can understand why it appears that way to people, but the people who are really in it mm-hmm. immersed in it they can see where it's no, yeah. they can see uh, where it's going right like they they understand headed. that it's it's actually leapfrogging the phones in a lot of ways and and mm-hmm. bringing us back to connection yeah in a certain way i um, always believe in the full full circle of life we came from <laughs> a we came from a species where we surrounded uh, a fire fire pit yeah and uh, we will go back that 
but it's going to be a blurred line between digital and physical. That's mm. so funny that we, from since the first episode, we've yeah. been doing this like fire, fire, like ch- fireside a, chat. Yeah, either yeah. either a fireplace like a Yule log, or it's like a campfire in the mountains or something. Yep. in the middle of the conversation. Yeah, on a on a <laughs> screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wish, on a screen. Right, <laughs> we wish we could actually sit uh, outside by a fire, but unfortunately. The noise. Sound, the sound. Yeah. <laughs> I would love would to have. I'd love to have ambiance of like crickets or something. Oh, yeah, you can totally do that. <laughs> we I could probably be, throw yeah. that in. But we have the ambiance of so many planes. I don't know I what know. you. Yeah, what, what do you need, Jay? Construction. You don't like that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> As an alternate. Yeah. Oh, city. Uh, yeah, I almost. Uh, you know the the isolation um, misconception, I guess, about VR. I feel like half of that is driven just by the fact that. You always see, even in ads by Oculus and the different, and like Vive and all the different companies that are working in the space and all of the different uh, news articles and publications, it's almost always some sort of picture of somebody wearing a headset and then a bunch of people around them completely disconnected doing something else. And the visual message that that communicates is this person's in their own world. They're completely separated from anyone else. And it doesn't get to that. I um, almost, so I I am a photographer as well. I Mm. almost wanted to do a series of photographs called the Humans of VR, but exactly to put the VR headset on the sides. It it should, it should really be about a human. (laughs) It's not about (laughs) the headset. So yeah, I agree. All the tools. All the, (laughs) if you Google all the images, it's always, always someone with the big headset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you would have to, like, maybe you could emphasize what they're actually seeing or, like, the interaction that they're having. And the headset is somewhere in there, but it's more of a subtle uh, sort of note in the overall composition. Yeah. You're, you're showing the experience that they're having. Yeah, and the Ready Player One was trying to do something like that, right? Yeah, yeah put on the headset. I think I think that, that would be a good example mm. of showing the glasses are going to bring you that different experience. Yeah, they open it back up. Right. From the phone. Yeah. (laughs) So you came from this product management background and then into this new space uh, where the whole industry is undefined. It's not just the company's problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's literally just a new area of technology and a new domain that's kind of bleeding into everything else. How have you been, like, how have those skills, that past experience in in product development and, like, product management, how has that been benefiting you uh, moving forward into your own endeavors, hmm. um, into your, into putting together your own company? Basically, like, that that sort of journey from, from a PM to a yeah. founder. Well, I'll just add to that because that's, I love that we're always on the same page because <laughs> that's actually exactly what I was going to ask, too. It was just, like, what the heck? was that like, you know, because I understand the background that you've had in a lot of ways, but then like to become your own, like a founder of a company and start running your own company is already a really big jump from any job, but established um, industries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, you were doing it in an immersive Mm industry. I mean, sorry, in an emerging 
industry, yeah. which has known to have a, has been known to have a lot of challenges. Yeah. And so I'm very curious about that journey as well, like what it was like to just start Immersive Square and how you transitioned into it. So to answer your question, right? So in the first place, I didn't even know how unestablished this industry was. And <laughs> oh, how unestablished. So it's like so yeah. <laughs> Uh, in like, terms of how how <laughs> how fragmented, <laughs> undefined, right? That's a good thing. Yeah, it <laughs> was a good thing. I think, I think there is a saying about you know um, you don't have fear if you don't know enough. Yeah, and I, I totally, <laughs> totally benefited from it. Yeah, you wouldn't have done it if you'd known how right. hard it was going to be. <laughs> I would Well, not sure, but but you know, I yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think the product side of thing really helped me to be first is user centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really understand user base and the second is have an approach of uh, just the proof of concept and yeah. the continuous of be comfortable with pivoting yeah quick prototypes like quick prototype and yeah and so that is a kind of a, you know pm is a, is a mini seals of your own kind of product feature yeah so that was that training was pretty much just just lends it very well to entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and uh, being not um, uh, fully aware of uh, uh, how undefined this industry was mm-hmm. uh, was great for my personality because I sort of loved the idea of uh, doing a lot of research and connected with the right people in the industry mm-hmm. and then drive towards clarity. I love that kind of a driving towards clarity feeling. The journey yeah. excites me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the clarity is still not there, I can tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But I just love the fact that I am also feeling comfortable as an individual Mm -hmm. of changes. Mm -hmm. In a changing environment. Just constantly change. Yeah. And be comfortable that it's going to be okay. (laughs) I will figure it out. We will figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was both a career, professional, and individual growth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you would have had that mentality without your consulting background um didn't i I wouldn't know right (laughs) yeah i wish i had more uh experience in startups i didn't i you know consulting and then i did a big corporate Mm -hmm. right um but consulting did help now at this moment yeah where i'm trying to figure out the, the the be resourceful Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to think about where I want Immersive Square to be and what needs to happen yeah. for the business to uh, be more mature. Yeah. And that part is, is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you've always, I mean, you have developed a solid understanding of like how to lay out milestones and how to put together your roadmap and like know why and, and where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you should be going, depending on how things are. Yeah. The vision has not changed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's the building blocks. The building blocks in sequence might have changed and how far each building blocks start to play out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also changed because the adoption of everything. There's a lot of things outside of control. Yeah. And uh, uh but the key thing is to be flexible and be able to deal with situation, be resourceful to solve problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. What were some of your biggest challenges in the beginning in the for, in the beginning of the transition? Some of the challenges were, uh, interestingly, it came from a, a, a more mature development shop. So I, 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 I had this development methodology that was a bit too big 
okay. for a startup, which is just myself. <laughs> Little li- limited resources. Compared yeah, to it a was. Large yeah, it, I think uh, <laughs> I I I would be more um, uh, small flavor of proof of concept rather yeah. than I, I just went directly into a platform, <laughs> right? Like it could be just a web page, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Too okay. Ambitious up front, but <laughs> it's just I. I came from a bigger product team, so when yeah. I think about features, always that size yeah. versus that size. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, coming it's just just if I look at look back, I would be a little bit more nimble in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a little more agile. More agile. Yeah. Uh, to expand further on just those initial challenges, like you you had the expertise that you developed as a as a PM as a product manager. Um, but what specific things really, uh, really challenged you early on that you hadn't learned as a PM in your mm. previous experience? Not necessarily just from being used to different scope, but the things that you had to then pick up going through the process of putting together your own business. Yeah, that's a good question. I think and the, an emerging market. the complexity of what goes into immersive technology itself okay. So web, I came from mobile and web background. Uh-huh. Simple, right? Either MAMP stack <laughs> or Node.js. It's just a lot of, it's more mature. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, it's, been, it's, it's more established. It's more point, established. Yeah. And the, 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 the resource frame, f- framework is a lot more accessible. It's a, yeah. The problem solving is, there are templates of solving problems yeah. for mobile and web apps. There's, right? just a, a, there's a lot more tools already built exactly. that are established. Best practices are already there. Right. People have played around and experimented, and there's a pretty good framework for how you do exactly. web or mobile apps yeah. at this point. No, to, immersive technologies, every single thing needs to Google till. 10th page and then you'll find something <laughs> that well that is the answer I'm looking for yeah. <laughs> so um, I think uh, I, I didn't regret to spend all those time because I internalized the learning mm-hmm. right I came from a product background but I learned how to build computers because I didn't know when I got into it you have to have 1080 as oh, a graphic nice. card <laughs> so immersive technology has m- multiple layers Right of technology in it, you have Unity, which is the development tool. Mm-hmm. You have the hardware, and you need to understand the computer, and you need to understand headset. Yeah, and you also need to understand all the content. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. single thing requires a lot of research. Yeah, it's not like people. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty well connected with the VR community, which mm-hmm. I benefit a lot. But it's just sheer uh, volume of information, and how scattered they are. Uh, takes a long time yeah. to um, consolidate and then come up with a pattern so that I can actually take it from there and think about what I can do yeah. with those information. Yeah. So that's the hardest part. It's still very hard, but okay. at least now I know the keywords I need to put into the search box to find mm-hmm. the relevant information. <laughs> You've learned so the, the, gra- the, the, the vocab. Lingo. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, vocabulary to define better answers but right right so how are things going you are now two almost three years in before you start or did you just celebrate two years was it two years? yeah i think august was the second year august okay okay yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so i would say um the one thing i do believe that proved out was the um location 
and the physical space model uh, is it works. Okay. And it helps. It helps with the adoption of mm-hmm. uh, of the industry as well. Yeah. And um, I'm still really trying to figure out the um, revenue model for it. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody in the industry is able to do that other than arcades, Ugh, because they yeah. have a physical location, fixed, uh, um, probably least cost, and um, staffing model, yeah, and content model. Mm. Right. And they do have, uh, if, as long as that they have uh, enough uh, foot traffic, mm-hmm. um, it will work. It's a math, mm-hmm. right? So for any business, in order to be a repeatable business model, you need to prove out the the pricing and the structure and yeah. the cost to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel uh, that is not there, and it's not there uh, for any of the um uh, kind of installation type of uh, 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 location-based experience business. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very um, uh, pop-up. Pop-up is a very um, labor-intensive um, experience. Mm-hmm. And it's also very volunteer-based, right? which uh, is also another challenge for mm-hmm. uh, for a for-profit business. Yeah. I, I don't know what is the best way to... In- I pay all my staff yeah. when yeah. there's... Uh, there is a, an event that mm. immersive squares only event. Yeah. Um, and um, I think uh, I'm still continuing to learn. What I want to do is uh, curate less ex- uh, less events. I want to mm. be the supporter of people who want to do events. Yeah. Yeah. And just to uh, to kind of step back for a second and like further clarify what a location based experience mm-hmm. is um, in in VR or XR. Um, I think that would be useful to kind of define that. Just right, for... in case, well, sorry, my chair is like, <laughs> I'm trying to just cross my legs as right, not being very dainty about it. <laughs> um, yeah, very flexible. Uh, yeah. um, because just as context, we want to make sure that we're not over-explaining things, but that also like somebody could keep up that's really interested in the industry that doesn't already, live in Seattle you know. and already have all the lingo down who can like start to develop the language like mm-hmm, you were saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... My understanding of location-based entertainment, a theme park experience is mm-hmm. kind of like location-based entertainment, right? You, I would agree, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you go there and you're it's, getting entertained in various ways up. and things are set up for you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so then... So similar some, to an arcade almost, but... Well, in, I guess that's an interesting question is what's the difference between that and an arcade? Because then if you take a step down from theme parks or even within theme parks, they're starting to develop VR experiences, yeah. which are things like, let's say they have like, they'll have an obstacle course set up mm-hmm. and you might have a VR headset on and you are seeing things and experiencing something that's set up for you. And so you mm-hmm. go through a door, there's an actual door there. You walk on something gross let's say and and they might reflect something like that i mean yeah. think of like a haunted house but with a vr headset up yeah. headset on where all the content is in the headset and just the 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 like construction around you is yeah. set up for you so there's a there's it's almost like a 4d movie experience exactly but in VR yeah where they, but they you're actually an interactive yeah and that's actually like the full 
experience of VR because you're actually running around and yeah. or or mm-hmm. walking or going through doors and you're feeling right. exactly like you said, like the 4D experiences, except in the movies, they're terrible. Yeah. Um, where they just like <laughs> blow weird air on you and oh, those yeah, like, tickle like the mouth of your water on you. Yeah, yeah, like this is like way yeah. better than Somebody that. Somebody sneezed in your face. Basically. Right, right. <laughs> um, but the but then the next question is like, okay, Below that, you know, if that's like the extreme of a location-based entertainment experience, right, right. you know, where do arcades fall? And and then some of the things that you're talking about, Jude. Yeah. So the key element is a physical, is a inter- relatively, even just minimal interaction with a physical environment space yeah. that is set up for the 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 user. Yes. So you have a full entertainment, uh, premium premium experience. You need you need to wear the body armor. Oh, so there's a haptic, right? Those kind of stuff. That's not what immersive square is set to do, right? Yeah, and I believe in accessibility. Yeah, and I think um, uh, I believe fast forward, right? It's all about Mm -hmm. what is going to happen ahead of us. Mm -hmm. I do believe that, um, and I am passionate about uh, bringing tools and resources into storytellers' hand. Mm-hmm. And they can set up their own story in a more easy way, in a mm-hmm. more immersive way, mm-hmm. in a local venue, right? Yeah. Do we really need um, a specific entertainment center for this kind of stuff? Maybe, but it it does not really solve a lot of accessibility issue because mm-hmm. it's a it's really a pain in the neck to drive eighteen miles yeah. up and down to, to for a thirty minute experience, right? It's, it's only it's not even just accessibility from like a handicaps uh, perspective. It's like it literally location like you. It's most people, yeah, can't go to that and right. experience it very often. Yeah, but they all. do. They do do great things for VR. They really yeah. um, uh, bring the horizon to the next level. Let's yeah. say I, mm-hmm. I do think that. You're it's talking about the, the, the extreme, void. Yeah, yeah, things like the void. I yeah. have all okay. the respect for people who who not only came up with this idea but executed so well on it, right? right? But it's not for um, it's like Disney. What is the percentage of people actually went to Disney? Yeah, land, right. right. You, like yeah, you literally have to fly to yeah, like Florida. Or <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, it's in very unique locations, and then you have to be aware that it's even there, and then you have right. to wait in line and pay a bunch of money to experience. Exactly. It. So yeah. is is that even are are they able to make that a sustainable endeavor or business? How how are they doing that? I have no I, idea. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. I think <laughs> that they received a lot of funding. Really means they're doing very well. Okay. And okay. Um, um, so there's, there's kind of like long term investment. Well, I think to, like arcades, they will be fine because they already have an established venue. They already have an audience, right? That's right. there and willing mm-hmm. to pay for entertainment. Yeah. And then they get this new experience that they are hearing about, right? That they're also using big brand names and partnering Mm -hmm. with like, you know, IXLM or, Mm -hmm. or, you Mm -hmm. know, like Star Wars and stuff. So, so I think certain things like that are probably doing just fine because of that. But I guess that remains to be seen over the long term. Yeah. I guess my assumption would be that they are basically targeting a very niche audience of like early adopters and enthusiasts. And that's really the whole thing for them. well, right no, now. I think no? they're getting they're getting park goers. Oh, I, well, yeah, I guess yeah, like they're are... getting they're actually probably the almost. I'm talking out of my ass right now, but I'm like <laughs> I feel like they might be the only ones truly accessing the general public. 
because they're like, well, actually in masses, I mean, like rather than, so like in, in your case, dude, you have to have someone who's at least interested enough to look up a nearby pop-up or do something like you did on your, on your first experience. Like there's some sort of curiosity or a friend who is bringing somebody along. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the way to engage, it's all about outreach though. Right. Yeah. 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 So I would say what I, what I the consumer model. So if, if we were talking about access to general public, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a consumer model. Right. And it is really about bringing that product to where consumers are. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we're not doing enough in the industry yeah, to it, do that. Well, that, I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges with this industry and any emerging industry is that people don't even know it exists yet. Not yet. Uh, but so we, how it, do you it, reach them? That's the blue ocean. <laughs> I think that's the blue ocean. Think about <laughs> think about where consumers go. Mm-hmm. List the ten places, ten things consumers spend time in their day. That's your blue ocean. Yeah. The potential, right? yeah. So going back to your your description of the blue ocean, that's the the area of possibility of how you can engage with people, right? Things that they're already doing, things but we're not even doing, yeah. We're not taking advantage of yet. We're not we're not making use of those those interactions, right? I think the the one thing that won't change, even though we can build buildings that's you know a hundred floors high or whatsoever, the one thing won't change is we only have twenty four hours a day, yeah, as human beings. And you're not going to add 24 hours on top of that <laughs> for people to do new things. Mm-hmm. You just have to think about what you're already doing yeah. and transform and add value to how they do it. Mm-hmm. That is the blue ocean I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think when we were we we were having a previous conversation um, that started to touch on some, a similar theme here is that there are certain activities like people connecting or falling in love or needing to go grocery like or find ways to get food or experience mm. and eat mm. um, or exercising. They're 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 consistent themes that continue to exist regardless of where technology's at, mm. um, and so like those are some of those little areas of the blue ocean that we're, yeah, we're talking th- about. Yes, those are those are areas, but think even outside of the box are what are okay. the things that certain general public are na- not able to do those things because they are not accessible. Yeah. For seniors that they can't travel, mm-hmm. right? For people with handicap, uh, with disability, they cannot do certain things. Mm-hmm. And those are all underserved market. Mm-hmm. Those are also very much a blue ocean. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. no one's serving it, right? Yeah. And the VR is great because they can fill those void. You don't actually need to have a physical ability to do it by experience to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, and on top of that, the general value added experience of a um, uh, typical consumer. Those yeah. are blue ocean as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings up another topic of why VR. Like, mm. you can't stick VR on everything. Yeah. Just, yeah. You can't just be like, here, put this right. headset on yeah. and like, go yeah. and enjoy yourself. That's the beauty of <laughs> in, being in the industry. I think the, the community is very open about sharing mm-hmm. and then have really, really innovative ideas and post it on Facebook group or post it on the Slack channel. And then um, we, the rest of us will learn, oh, mm-hmm. that works or not. 
So yeah, we're just sharing insights right now. Sharing your pivot, like right? The, yeah, sharing your approval of concept. Can do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we learned all of this from this experience of trying to build this thing or get the thing out to market, and here's all of the lessons that we learned as a result. Right through that. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, what lessons learned are you willing to share? So you have with Immersive Square, it is like pop-ups, right? That's what you're saying. So, so meaning, and, and going back to something you had stated earlier, you, meaning Immersive Square, also put on pop-ups and then you also support pop-ups that other right. people are doing. So you right. partner with people and your goal is to get to more support and partnering that way rather than running your own. But obviously it sounds like you had to at least start with running some of your own to yeah. show, <laughs> to show Thank you concept. for understanding to, that. To create value first. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> right. To, it to is. It is. Started. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's that. And also, um, uh, Yes, when I started the uh, listing immersive experience on Immersive Square and I was trying to find immersive experience around me, couldn't find any, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I just throw, uh, throw up a, a bunch of uh, uh, pop-ups. And yeah. <laughs> you, you I'll applied. do my own. I applied. You, you applied to your own. I'll oh, be my yeah. own customer and then, first. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one thing I actually uh, shared, uh, shared a lot of learning in terms of how to support a community community center, yeah, and uh, 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 whether whether pop up in a restaurant will work or not, mm. and uh, what kind of outdoor um, tips and tricks that you would run into mm. when you are in festival. So I think a part of the walk the walk made me a better person to build those features and. Uh, hopefully can share with oh, other right. event planners. Yeah. Yeah. Going through what you want people to do on your platform. Exactly. The goal is to, to like, have event planner find it so easy to put together an <laughs> immersive event. Mm -hmm. And they already have their audience. And that the problem should not be solved by, oh, creating new audience for <laughs> VR. <laughs> the problem should be, Make it VR so awesome so so that you can engage with your existing audience better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need new people. We just we need to appeal <laughs> to the people that are We're appreciating new people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, we need to figure out how to relate this these new experiences and new technologies to the population that's already there. Right. But doesn't know yet. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, like, for example, um, how... How do you go about uh, enabling more people in um, maybe the the elderly community to be able to appreciate or benefit from these technologies, particularly when they're not nearly as connected often to a lot of the 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 upstart world of technology over the past few decades? Um, so, I so so there are people doing great things in this space mm -hmm. in Seattle. There's a uh, there is a company home away I, I forgot the actual home away. name home away home away i don't know well uh, so she ran a, a not-for-profit that uh, bring vr to senior homes oh. oh i didn't i don't know them yeah, yeah. okay yeah. um and and i volunteered uh, uh last week and i learned so much like wow um there's so many there's so many things to consider mm -hmm. uh when you are bringing a VR experience for senior, right? But mm -hmm. loved it. They loved it. <laughs> yeah, it's just that um, underserved communities are so appreciative of something yeah. that you bring to that community. It's inspiring. Yeah, mm -hmm. wow. 
Yeah. And same as uh, when I bring a pop-up to community centers and the uh, kids after school and they mm-hmm. don't ha- didn't have a place to go and uh, they came to community center and they play some VR, mm-hmm. till brush. Yeah. And I I told one girl's uh um parent that your daughter is really talented <laughs> in yeah. art. Right, those kind of stuff are value added, right? So yeah. I think those are the things ultimately will add value uh, mm-hmm. through VR and yeah. the pop-up events. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I love that. Have you had any crazy experiences? You know, outside of outside of that. I mean, that one is a great example. But I guess, <laughs> like, what other what other crazy experiences have you had since you started Immersive Square bringing? VR to communities. And perhaps like uh, examples of just impact. Um, yeah, there was. So one thing, not necessarily. Um, uh, okay, so once, once it's more of a uh, blueprint that I found very successful in okay. Um, okay. engaging with the audience is uh, think about a way that um, you can also bring what's inside of virtual reality into the physical world. So that the people who didn't experience it also understand what it is about. Mm-hmm. They're engaged somehow. Right. They're engaged. The... They're continuously engaged. Yeah. So the re-engagement is actually important to close the loop, mm-hmm. and that will define the success of this industry as well. Is the is constant re-engagement. Yeah. People mm-hmm. want to come back. So uh, the one I did uh, with uh, the Seattle. Uh, Parks and Recreation Group mm-hmm. I did a little oh. with uh, the transportation group, so they actually uh, had I I had a um, tilt brush and uh, a king spray uh, set up as a mm-hmm. two art station mm-hmm. for people to come, and I also set up a self self print little print station, mm-hmm. and I exported uh, what they painted inside of VR. Uh, and the directly print out on oh. the printer, and we hung those pictures on the string yeah. wow. inside of the booth. So the people not in that VR experience or in Tilt Brush were they getting like, to experience wow, the creation. You can directly. actually paint it, and <laughs> you can't see it like that. And the people also want to jump in as yeah, a result. Like, I want right. to do that. <laughs> yeah, so that's like kind a of a reward. the physical reward, yeah. and and it, it's important, right? Because we humans' uh, cognition with a virtual with an abstract form of medium requires some handholding, yeah. and yeah. sometimes the handholding could be as simple as something is an output, right, of virtual reality, <laughs> right. I'm not a big fan of like, you know you have to print out things or <laughs> because I'm 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 an envi- environmentalist. Yeah. But in order to get there, there's a baby step we need to do is yeah. to show people mm-hmm. that this is actually what VR is about. Yeah. Right. So well, so that's a good mm-hmm. way of for reengagement. Yeah. yeah. I guess while while every while we it's not possible yet for everyone uh, to be able to be in some sort of headset or just have that interface. Uh, creating or integrating that experience into the physical world in very tactile ways like that, like just well, enables people to to see yeah. the possibility a yeah. lot easier. Exactly, really cool. VR. You just have to try it to feel the beauty, but yeah. to see how people actually create something and output something tangible is very uh, powerful too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
So you also, in addition to doing Immersive Square, you have participated in your own creations, speaking of creations. And one of those is the Lantern Experience. What's the official name of it? Lantern Ensemble. Lantern Ensemble. Ensemble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which I had the privilege of doing because I went to visit Jude at WeWork, and so I got to experience it. Uh Uh, Is that where you all met? No. We met before. We had met before. We were just catching up. Gotcha. And so I got to experience that, which to briefly go is it okay if i describe it oh yeah okay great yeah (laughs) so so what it is is you you are in this kind of like nice dark experience i would say and you 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 have a paper lantern and which is that is that a chinese thing it's asian i think chinese japan okay okay Mm -hmm. probably um so you have a paper lantern Mm -hmm. and you also have a calligraphy pen Mm -hmm. and so you can decorate your own paper lantern with whatever art you want to which for me was (laughs) not good (laughs) but the cool part about it is it makes it look better than it actually is you know because it's like very smooth calligraphy you know so thank god for people like me yeah it all rounds out all the lines and all that um and then once you're done decorating the paper lantern you then get to put it in this amazing water. So you imagine you're kind of, it's kind of like, you know, what I imagine, uh, this is going to be a weird analogy, but I'm like, <laughs> it's like this very comfortable experience. Like, you know, I've never been into a floating room that they say represents being like the womb, but that's kind of how oh, I felt. It's the, like a very comfortable, dark experience. And then yeah. you're looking out at the water mm-hmm. and then you get to send your paper lantern mm-hmm. out into the water. You place it and it joins all of the other paper lanterns that people do. Real ones that other people yeah, have they're, they're Are they still the real still ones? Still real ones. Yeah. Persistent. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's persistent. That's the that, word that I was looking That for. reminds me of... Uh, that experience where thoughts go, where you mm-hmm. have the persistent sort of thought bubbles right. of all these other it's people. It's that same concept. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what where thoughts go is, it 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 was the same concept in terms of you have thoughts that you you record mm-hmm. yeah. and then you place them into a space and then you can also review and hear other people's thoughts yeah, that have been in that space. And so similarly, you can see everyone else's paper lanterns going back to connection. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. So I loved that experience. Thank I mean, you. that honestly does <laughs> remind me of what I was describing earlier, the take mm. flight experience that got me into mm. VR in the first mm. place, because it doesn't take much to get to make a powerful experience. Right. Yeah. And I think that we're all into like the big graphics and this whole industry, especially in Seattle, is like really big gaming and all of this. Yeah. It's like making it complicated. And I've found that a lot of the experiences I've had that were powerful and memorable were simple. And I mean simple not in the sense that they were simple to build, to be very clear. <laughs> the execution is not I mean easy. simple in concept, you know, mm, and yeah. that and that but when you are experiencing it, there are a lot of complex feelings going on mm-hmm. with yeah. what you're doing. The impact is more profound, like the effect it has. Right. But when I just describe it to you, I mean it's kind of a short description. Yeah, it's you like know a pool of or of water that goes off into the distance and a bunch of lanterns right. floating there. But don't you want to experience that? Yeah. 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 
I mean, I loved it, dude. Mm-hmm. But so how – did I do an okay job of explaining it? Yeah, you okay. did better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just get excited. Um, so was that from a hackathon? That was an – yeah, a result Ooh. of a hackathon. Yeah. yeah, but you guys mm-hmm. kept working on it, right? Yeah. It wasn't just from – I mean, the, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we fine-tuned after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't do the whole thing in a week or uh, a weekend? <laughs> a weekend kind of uh, constructed the experience. Yeah. The and then prototype. a lot of uh, calligraphy, fine-tuning, mm-hmm. and uh, lighting. Yeah. Uh, is after Hackathon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the extra polish. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you feel about – now that you've done that and you have that experience out there, do you like creating in VR? Do you want to do more of it? Uh, definitely. I um, I like pretty much the same line of simple narrative, but really tap deep into emotion. Yeah. Um, I feel it's just my own, uh, how I resonate with the experience was mm-hmm. when an experience does not push emotion upon you, Mm-hmm. But take your emotion out of it. It allows you to. It allows you to own. just be there. I yeah. think. Uh, yes, I. I'm not. My strength is not narrative. So I'm not going to get into a story with a storyline and with characters. Uh, entire arc. And, the in, yeah. yeah, the entire arc. I. It, it wouldn't be uh, my. Just I, I. I'm not equipped to do that, <laughs> and I. But I will continue to think about things just like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least the the effect that that kind of right experience has on people. Yeah, and I I, I love user generated content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so like Lantern is a user generated content, right? And it's persistent. Yeah. Um, so that's this will be along the same line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Having people's people come together to create something and connect through that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Are you working on anything else now? There was a one that we came out of last hackathon, which is about connection. Okay. Uh, we did a uh, a bubble around you. Mm. Uh, at oh. the, it's the voice input. I love connecting the live input, like humans' organic input, mm-hmm. and use that to uh, create and manipulate experience inside of VR. And uh, in that particular hackathon, the live input is uh, mic. Okay. Yeah, recording okay. your some voice or just noise. live input. Right. Yeah, so yeah. as the user use mic to do things, yeah. they take the input, and then uh, the scene will change. Like voicing uh, actual commands. Yeah. Okay. So there. So there's specific like spoken commands for it, or is it the? We were trying to do spoken. Than, yeah. Uh, okay. I wrote a a, a piece, uh, a, a, some some learning postmodern about it. So voice is actually, voice, you know, long story short, there are a lot more needs to be done mm-hmm. for voice input mm-hmm. because it's, 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 there are not a lot of permutation in voice input that can give you a variety of experience because yeah. our pitch is uh, so, so hard to capture. Yeah. Every, I can say the one word in 10,000 different ways just coming out of my own <laughs> voice court <laughs> the variation is a variation is, so yeah. it's it's very hard to use voice we use the the um the volume use the okay. input volume to increase the uh, light bubble around you gotcha uh and the, the oh. premise is the narrative is uh you can speak up and your okay. world will light up around you. <laughs> so almost like the amount of energy that you input into the mic, yeah. essentially, you are brightening you up. You are brightening up. <laughs> that's, okay, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 
But anyways, those are all uh, small projects uh, just yeah. to get myself, uh, keep myself learning about Unity. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Or being that deep generalist. Deep <laughs> I, I, I think there's a little artist in me, and uh, I do like to get my hands dirty on certain things. Yeah, there obviously yeah. is. I mean, it's funny oh, yeah. to me that your background is like economics and IT mm-hmm. and analysts and audit and all this stuff, <laughs> because like I feel like I look at you and see all this other stuff, like your personality, the way you dress, like the, the way you have discussions with people and your thoughts about things. Mm-hmm. Are extremely artist forward. I was brought up uh, painting, drawing until sixteen, seventeen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you had a you had a bit of a positive influence. In I had a positive influence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how are you feeling now in the industry? I mean, it's funny because like before we started recording, you were talking to me about what I'm doing and and. Kind of with this attitude of like, good, good, you're still working in the industry a little bit, you know, like, because I think, I assume you're referring to the fact that people are dropping like flies. Mm -hmm. Oh. Right. So it's just like checking in to see how, how people are are doing. And a lot of people, I mean, (laughs) you know, it's, I think at least from my perspective, it seems like a lot of people either end up moving. Mm -hmm. um, So they'll go to like LA or something like that. Yeah. Or um, they'll just. And uh, moving to a different type of company because it's like at some point you need to make money, more you have stable, certain skills, it's more stable. Industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's tough because it's funny. I mean, Jude and I met two years ago, mm. and that was right after you started Immersive Square. Right. right. And right before that, you know, the year before that is when consumer headsets came out or something like that. Something like that. I so, think so, yeah. Yeah. So it's been three years in the industry, two years since you started Immersive Square. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, we used the word zeitgeist before and now yep. I just love yep. it. I'm like, just the zeitgeist, <laughs> like the spirit of the people is down right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed so much, uh, I think, like since the last time you and I really talked. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on that like how are things going in your head and how yeah. how are you coping and and what are you observing about the community right now i feel it's definitely hard particularly recently you know there were a couple of companies uh, shut down mm-hmm. as well in, in seattle yeah um and um if you evaluate your opportunity cost of working in a different industry uh, against uh, uh, working in VR purely yeah. from financial gain, it was totally not worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, as a product manager, you can't probably work in ten thousand other companies in Seattle and be much more lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and economics um, is uh, easy yeah. to calculate. There, the economics <laughs> is very easy to calculate. But <laughs> I also would like to. Th- just really evaluate, just think about why I left my previous job. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't take uh, other offers that was yeah. in a product management role, bigger companies, mm-hmm. um, I feel inside of me, one is I do evaluate, uh, I do appreciate the um, opportunity mm-hmm. of immersive experience. I do think that everything will converge at one point. Yeah. And um, as long as this uh, entrepreneurs can figure out a way to be sustainable, it's probably not going to be hockey stick anytime soon. 
Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you are okay with being sustainable, being creative Stay with the uh, cash haul. flow, yeah, right, and then continue to learn, um, continue to really appreciate the creative creative reward. That's mm-hmm. why I also create mm-hmm. because I wouldn't be able to just do events. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would like to have that creative reward. You have an idea for something that you want to you want to actually make happen. You can just I'll, go. And yeah, marinate. I'll season it. I'll probably yeah. <laughs> work <laughs> on it. it yeah, spice it up a little bit. <laughs> Um, I think that is um, a complete dimension of uh, uh, evaluate, evaluating your experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, as, from a business standpoint, um, I, I think probably in a year or two, I will evaluate again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it will change, right? It, right. Once, once the, it, it really depends on if it continues to slightly go up or... It will be more painful just to do a little bit, a little bit of a, a progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, there's also personal wellness, mental wellness. Yeah, so that's yeah, all engaged. You can burn in. out. Yeah, you can burn out. You can lose patient. Long. I'm not anticipating this to happen, but mm-hmm. I am uh, as an entrepreneur. I prepare for anything. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a part of the preparation. Part of the being able to pivot. Being <laughs> able to pivot. Yeah. yeah. And a part of the pivot is you. You, you walk to a wall and you turn 180 degree and walk back, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, let me go back to where I was standing and look Right, exactly. And it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really not about, oh, yeah, I wasted four years in my life. <laughs> I didn't. I learned so much, yeah. became such a better person just being, yeah. doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And uh, I, that's why I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also a big believer of a working with people i was talking to another ceo that we each little company has one breath to do one more thing better (laughs) and then let's work together and then we might able to blow something away yeah yeah that's so true i love that yeah Yeah. Yeah. you've only got so much in your lungs yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) give it it one good go right coming back to connection it's like it takes Takes the group. Takes yeah. the group. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For you, what are the sort of characteristics um, that you tend to see or have found most valuable for yourself as well in approaching problems from the perspective of a PM or as a founder? Because it's very mm-hmm. similar in a lot of ways. Mm-mm-mm. What are what are those those key sort of skills or like character traits that have helped you out the most? Um, focus. Focus. The okay. the difference between a PM, in my view, right again, uh-huh. uh, is um, the ability and the, the persistency to farm something, because it's different from rapid prototype, right? Yeah, it's you take a prototype and you have to uh, grow it. Uh-huh. That's the difference between cultivate it over cultivate time. Cultivate it, yeah, and that really requires focus of seeing something through. Uh, in a measured way, mm. not just emotionally want to do it. You're not but just you still need to, to it exactly because that's not. Good. There's a third <laughs> math methodology is just really evaluate, uh, even though it's not going to be that big. But in terms of input process and output, mm-hmm. it makes sense, yeah. and that you have to go through that instead of to learn just to go after another shining toy. Yeah. The focus is so important. I've seen, uh, you know, in VR, constantly th- uh, throwing new elements into uh-huh. into VR. I think ultimately it, it will converge. Yeah. But I try to read upon it, 
but not act on it. Yeah. Uh, know the knowledge, know the, uh, be able to um, make connect the dots at one point, uh-huh. but it should not be a source of distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that because um, that's, you're keying in on the, the fact that it's, t- it's always uh, tempting to be distracted by like, every new little opportunity or, or perceived advantage. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, oh, well, I'm working on this thing right now or we're trying to do it this way and then a new sort of tool or solution or idea pops up and you have to have enough focus to see through each sort of series that you go through each iteration to actually right. validate whether it is really not the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you you pivot or change a little bit after that. But right. if you're never actually making it that far, then you're not making progress at all. Right, right. <laughs> you're yeah. just spinning your reels. Yeah. yeah. And mentally being focused is also more productive too. Mm-hmm. I was just reading an article about Warren Buffett mm-hmm. and how he is a big proponent of focus he mm-hmm. would he, like he and and bill gates and it, somebody had studied like some of these people and or no sorry it was warren buffett and went to bill gates to mm-hmm. to eat dinner and i think this is a real event i mean yeah. this person so. wrote about it, it but it has its value yeah. and that uh uh mrs gates like bill gates mother asked them what one word they would attribute to their success yeah and they both said focus Mm. I am 100% like in agreement with this whole sentiment around focus. Um, but I, I would, I actually, I kind of wanted to add to that, that if there's not, I think, I feel like the perspective portion is actually just as important working alongside of that focus. And so it comes down to like it, the ability to be intentful or intentional about your focus. Mm. Like you find an opportunity you decide how you want to go after it and then you focus on it for a while mm-hmm. and you can do that long enough to figure out that it's a good thing or maybe you throw it away. Um, but if you, if you're, if the perspective isn't there too, then how do you even see new opportunities at any point? Right. So yeah. like there's that, you have that breadth of experience that you gained from, um, from your, your contract or mm. uh, consulting days. Mm-hmm. So you're able to look at a situation and make correlations and see new opportunities that maybe someone that was only super focused on a certain domain mm. um, is not going to see because they just don't have that perspective. Right. Well, I think what you're getting at too is is going back to your point about pivoting, right, dude? Yeah. It's like, and and your point about how you keep tabs on things without it letting letting it distract you yeah. and so therefore you understand what's going on because if you have so much focus and you're buried too deep mm-hmm. you won't even realize like that the industry is collapsing around you or that you need to pivot <laughs> until too late right <laughs> oh, <that>. what happened? <laughs> for yeah. example um, There's so many yeah. yeah that's a vr experience yeah. <laughs> but you don't, you don't uh, want to get tunnel vision right yeah, exactly because right. there are a lot of people that stay so focused on something or just feel like they need to finish something rather than being able to pick your Agreed. head up every yeah, once in a while. Emotionally yeah. attached. Right. And be thing. able to be realistic and, and pivot based on what's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's an interesting point. I like that. Yeah. I think uh, the one uh, analogy I always keep reminding myself is, well, if your goal is to climb Mount Everest, what are the components, skill sets, 
and uh, what do you financially? How do you what do you how do you prepare to get there? The mm. break down that vision into attainable goals, objectives. Yeah, and then the focus is really aligned with the objective, yeah. and also measure. Measure is important. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. or get, try to get an idea of what you need to put into each of those right. those individual goals to actually reach them. Right, exactly. Incrementally. Yeah. yeah. How are you measuring success for Immersive Square? Yeah, how do you go about doing that for Immersive Square or in general? Right. Well, depend. On, so you're talking about the um, financial measure, or you're talking about you're you're more. Uh, Talking about the business metrics, or are you talking about more of a um, uh, theoretical kind of um, I guess, strategic right level? Well, I guess I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, all of the above. I mean, I guess because you are someone, because you had you had just said how you're big on being able to measure how you're how you're doing, mm -hmm. how you get to an right um, an objective, right. And that's going to, I mean, you already just answered part of it, which is there's different, there's measuring different things, right? Right. right. And so what are those categories? So one is financial. Right. Yeah. Um, which is more business and matrix, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. And I think financial is pretty clear. It's like how much money are you yeah, making? Yeah, that's a pretty straightforward measure. I'll get to it. Okay, I think okay. it's, a, it's a slightly, so financial is a, an output of your business. What right. I measure is the input. If the input is right, and you make sure you optimize your process and you have the right output, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so, so Immersive Square's goal is to have lowercase Immersive Square everywhere, right? Let's mm -hmm. just put it this way, <laughs> right? So people are interacting with, uh, uh, connecting through Immersive Experience every single corner of mm -hmm. the neighborhood. Let's yeah. say just a, just a, Aspiration, right? Yeah. And in order to measure that, I would say the key thing is to measure the density of uh, e events per zip code. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the number is a really has really gone up mm -hmm. compared to a year ago. Okay. But it's not enough to make this a viable business model. The growth mm -hmm. trajectory is not. The density needs to, needs to be much higher in order for Lowercase immersive square is everywhere, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what I measure is I, I keep looking at uh, the density of immersive events. It, it's definitely better. Uh -huh. uh, and the way to get to it is to develop the resources and tools to support event planners to include the immersive technology in their events. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. so that's how easier. I break down right. my it, priority. Yeah, right. And make it like, easier for them to adopt. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. And like you said, I mean, there's the breakdown also of what are what are events that are happening that are born out of the immersive technology. Like it's there for that versus what's what's already existing that you're bringing exactly. to them. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you over time um, come up with a sort of or any sort of methods uh, or approaches to um, estimating? And, and, and trying to quantify how much uh, effort or how much work or resources you're going to have to put into a particular set of goals. If you've got an overarching problem that you want to solve, you break it down. 
and this all being in an emerging space where mm-hmm. you may have to do a lot of exploration mm-hmm. to actually define those things. And that's just the beginning of the problem. Right. How do you tend to approach those kinds of problems in, in XR? Uh, walk the walk is the best way. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. really, so that's why I, I did mention volunteer is a, is a challenge mm-hmm. because it actually takes away a very important labor model input into a sustainable uh, business model okay. for business. Yeah. I, but so, so doesn't, I am, I myself volunteer as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. What I'm saying is that I wish the volunteer hours and their time, value of time is still measured. This mm. is the time that worth that much because yeah. this is how much a, a person needs to be paid to uh, to contribute to this uh, this business model. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to business, it's it's just pure number, right? What's yeah. the what's the venue cost? What's the hardware cost? What's the labor cost? Uh-huh. And you can say part of it is uh, um, it, it can be can be discounted. But in order for a business to be sustainable, there's a just just a hard fact of you can't depend that's on the cost. Yeah. So <laughs> going back to this is just, it's 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 counterintuitive and for me as a as a person. Yeah. But this is something I learned in order to run a business. You it, you have to be an Excel spreadsheet person. <laughs> it's so oh, funny Google that sheets. you, you say be that tabular. because yeah. I was gonna make a joke at the beginning of that question and be like, "And how much do you? How good are you at Excel? How, how much do you love Excel?" Yeah, I yeah. learned how to like it. I came from an economics major, <laughs> kind of, of did a little bit, and uh, I, I'm not a fan. I I like big data pattern. That's yeah. how I think, but. This running the business also helped me to really understand. Yeah, you just have to get on Google Sheet or Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I love like, Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> Thank I you. really I, do. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm like yeah. I, I don't. But I, I through going through these kinds of experiences, I've been recognizing the value of it and that it's an it's a necessity. Like you it have is. to do those calculations to be able to know what you're getting into or even right. make some sort of reasonable projection. Right. I think the society is uh, sophisticated enough to use certain tools to measure things. Yeah. We can no longer circle around the fire, just talk about things and it will happen tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't work that way yeah. <laughs> from an execution standpoint. Yeah, like, all right, you're going to make a spear tomorrow and I'm going to weave some new pouches for us to hold things <laughs> You in. pick some berries, I, yeah, I'll yeah. pink some cave painting. <laughs> Done. I love to live life like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I feel like at some level, like everybody that you talk to these days has at least a small sort of uh, fake, like imagined nostalgia for the simpler times when that's all we had to There's worry always. about. There's <laughs> always nostalgia is uh, is big. Ugh, yeah, because yeah, everything is just so overwhelming. There's so yeah. much information. Yeah. Yeah. I do and I don't. Like I want <laughs> all the things that I have in a lot of ways. I just want easier access to a simple moment. You know, yeah. Yeah. where I don't have to go meditate in my closet for three minutes to stay sane. <laughs> yeah. Or VR, like climb four hours to go meditate on a mountain somewhere. Where everyone else also is yeah, a lot of yeah. the time. All of the other tourists like, oh are there God. too. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have like a vision of, well, I guess starting with Immersive Square, because you said you'll check back in in two years. So where do you hope it is in two years? Mm. Well, I mentioned a little bit, I hope either me or a group of people or someone else can 
bring lowercase immersive square to all the local venues. Uh-huh. And which really means is immersive experience become part of people's life. Yeah. So that is uh, the vision. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of t- uh, along that line is what you immerse is not violent games. It is yeah. interesting stories, um, good content, you know, kind of really help people with critical thinking and something interesting mm-hmm. rather than mind-numbing. Um I think that can really help rewrite the future of entertainment. Yeah, like rather than just exploring or exploiting our sort of tendency to to that's hone a, in on yeah, stimulus. that's a great one uh, because I think somehow our digital experience became um, there is the success matrix to uh, measure a successful digital experience is the on screen time and just. Mm-hmm. St- Stickiness in in the sense that addiction, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so if you look at all those uh, features, con- uh, constant scrolling, random likes, and those features are all to grab you so that you can you become addicted to yeah. that uh, uh, superficial feeling. Yeah. How much time are they spending? How much time in, you in spend engaging with your app or exactly. your, your site? And I want VR and immersive technology bring this very grassy, very organic uh, digital experience to people mm-hmm. so that they won't be addicted. And if they are not addicted, they will have choice, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I feel like it, I'll very objectively choose that because I know at that moment that's perfect for me. Yeah. And uh, the key thing is also to have uh, physical installations uh, nearby people. It gives people opportunity to go out mm-hmm. and connect with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't try to bring everything to the home so that all we have to do is just stay at home all the time and I, and play VR. <laughs> right. I, I don't think that's a, that's yeah. probably 10% of uh, people. Yeah. And it, uh, they only have 24 hours. Yeah. So you can't build a product for that 10% of people hoping they will have 250 hours. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're not going to get any more engagement. Right. Just to yeah. think about how the public would like to engage. Yeah. So that it sounds like there's a, a general sort of theme and hope that we can, uh, or goal that we can move back towards um, liberating people in general from these sort of uh, technology like chains that we've tied ourselves down with yeah. by incentivizing our whole marketing and, and industry, the internet, all on these sort of time sinks. We can give that agency back to people. I hope so. And I, I it's going to benefit marketing people too because it's not a force feed any anymore. Mm. It creates very organic way of brand loyalty if it you bring pleasure to people's experience. Yeah. Rather than a force feed. It's all reward based. Mm. That's not good. More <laughs> right? m- more uh more breadth and and depth of value more, more rather depth than of value. just Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you've been thinking about a lot lately um, and, or that we haven't already covered, of course? I think the whole artificial intelligence that's in association mm. with uh, uh, the XR mm-hmm. is very interesting, very intriguing to me. That's kind yeah. of one thing I do subscribe myself to in terms of reading upon. Yeah. Um, I like New peripheries. The new peripheries. And it's, it's going to be integrated more powerful than... Uh, most general public would be aware of. Yeah. And I, I feel that um, 
I think it already has in so to many really regards. know, yeah, it's it's really know how they can be connected. Mm. Uh, f- so the way I feel about it is, uh, XR is a, still more of an experience right now, yeah. right? And AI is more deep in the foundational level, data level. It's become part of the infrastructure and like the systems. It's an infrastructure system, and it's really about the floodgate being lifted, and then boom, two of them just will get together yeah. and mm. become more powerful. So I think. As anybody who's not in AI should be should read upon it and know what's yeah. the what's the implication of yeah. those. Like what what does it all enable or allow you to do with your particular area of expertise? Exactly. If you are create three D model creator, what does it mean to you? If you are character builder, uh, storyteller, what does it mean to you? Yeah. If you are a sound engineer, what does it mean to you? I think those are really interesting. Not to be afraid, I'm actually pretty pro tech, but be aware of the um the thought, the logic behind it will be mm. very helpful to make critical thinking. Yeah. So I think that is something that I would put it out there. It, at least you don't need to know how. But you can you need to know what. Yeah, mm-hmm. or what to ask, basically. Or what to like, what to what to yeah. That's exactly. just the beginning of a question. Right. Of like AI is this new sort of purview um and of technologies that can benefit basically anybody in any different industry. So how what are ways that I might be able to use it in mine? Right. Like your particular area of right. expertise. Right. Hmm. I feel like X, XR and AI are similar in that regard. Um they're both sort of kind of like software having taken over and integrated with so many different industries and continuing to evolve in that space xr as a sort of blanket of enhancing the overall experience yeah. over time ai is integrating into how we build and construct all of those experiences as well yeah it will be very interesting i think the way i look at it is you have a you have a presentation layer Mm-hmm. Which is uh, what XR is creating, mm-hmm. what we see. Yeah, it's integrating. There is an AI layer, which is uh, uh, how we think. Yeah. And then yeah. when these two put together and put in such an immersive way, mm. it's what is the implication? Yeah. How, <laughs> right? How 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 are we going to create a monster or not a monster, but a, an andrew? <laughs> but we do, we need to know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, that well, that that always comes back to that that same sort of uh, dichotomy with like all technology because you can go back to like literally the fire, like the first technology that we came up with, mm. or maybe it was a stone tool or something. But you could use that tool or that fire to both cook food and sustain your tribe, or like cut down trees or some sort of materials and dig things to build, or you can use it to harm and and be destructive. It's it's just how that person or group decides to use it. Mm-hmm. We have a tracking record of being destructive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah I mean, we've done a but, lot of destructive things. We've also created a lot. Like, yeah, I love to kill things. someone with this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, it's always the human element in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's 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 important to have checks and balance. I think yeah. it's just yeah. not yeah. to slow down innovation. I think it, it will help. Uh, with a more healthy and sustainable innovation. Yes. Yeah. Transparency, I think, is a big, there's a really important factor there in just how we're building things. 
for a lot of the history of the industry. All of the development happened very much like behind closed doors. Mm. Um, research wasn't being shared as mm. much. And um, a lot of the knowledge was kept in sort of limited silos of, of teams and people. And we can probably be a lot more responsible and conscious of how we're building things moving forward if we're just doing a better job of communicating and sharing all those insights as it seems like more people are beginning to do in the industry now. I think so. I think they're open AI organization. Yeah. 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 It seems like the XR space is kind of taking or adopting that cultural movement as well from a professional perspective. Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel like people are staying two separate with those things. It's like one investment over the other, meaning it's like it's like the new shiny thing. Either you're choosing Bitcoin, <laughs> <laughs> artificial intelligence. Uh, yeah, it's a buzzword for Like XR, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. choosing one rather yeah. than seeing them all together. I mean, that's the kind of feeling I get at least about yeah. these different areas. Do you feel similarly? I agree with that observation. I feel somehow we... We are always told that there's a limited uh, amount of investment out there right. in emerging technology. Right. If it's not here, then it's that. I would say AI probably a little bit more is getting a, a little bit more adoption right now. Yeah. More investment now. I feel like it's actually compared we've, to XR. We've figured out more ways to integrate AI and and use it to improve existing systems and improve on existing problems. Where like. If you take like language translation, for instance, before, I mean, we built systems that didn't use AI explicitly or like machine learning mm -hmm. uh, to kind of statistically analyze the language. We we would literally build systems that where we programmed all the features of that translation. You know, if these particular things happen, then this set of meanings comes from that grouping of words. But we've improved upon that by using AI on that existing problem. I feel like XR, we it's particularly difficult because what we can apply it to is more mm. abstract in some ways. Yeah. And how we integrate it with our existing experience. I, I think so. Um, if I can add a little bit to it, yeah. I feel AI is at the point they actually solve specific problem that's tangible. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. why investors... It's useful. It's, yeah. It's useful. It's very practical. But useful is a very subjective word too, right? Right. Yeah. But, but just by, on the face of it, AI, you know, you have predictive this, predictive that, does make sense. Yeah. And it does improve uh, productivity. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, XR is more about controlling... Controlling in a more direct, immersive way for something, and it still requires that data intelligence for what you are controlling, what problem you're solving. Mm -hmm. So I feel, I feel that's the reason that uh, probably investors are having a hard time in investing in. XR mm -hmm. because what's the problem we're solving? What's the problem? The, the, novel, right, the really, novelty is more difficult to right. To experience is so abstract. Is like what problem? Oh, we want better experience. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem. Hey, we're the all problem, experiencing things. What, are, <laughs> what more do I need but to experience? That's why the corporate world is actually uh, having a lot more adoption because yeah, training is a real problem. Mm -hmm. You 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 improve productivity of training. Yeah. 
and meeting makes sense. Connecting over distance. Connecting over distance. Yeah. So, so those are corporate uh, application is definitely getting a little bit better. Now, arcades and the entertainment center is a separate thing. It's just entertainment always gets certain amount of uh, mm. investment. Yeah. Uh, it's the, just the indies and uh, some experiential experience are not getting yeah. enough investment. Well, I, I, VR kind of came up early it hit this sort of surge over the past few years right as a like basically on the wings of the game and entertainment industry in a lot of ways unfortunately yeah, yeah which is <laughs> which is like why that sort of hype cycle it seems like that's why that, that hype cycle has kind of happened and now people are getting burnt out because we're running into okay well what else can we do with it and yeah we need we need like more new blood basically to come in and figure out new ideas and broaden yeah. From that base, I I would say, yeah, I I I think we should not be like look at ADD like almost like wanted to do everything right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it's really looking to what are the problem needs to be solved in that particular industry in mm -hmm. that particular vertical, mm. uh, and then come up with a good solid experience to solve that problem. So like think of it almost like a tool to to apply to new problems. That is how. Um, People would like to adopt any technologies. Uh, yeah. Is it solving any problem? Yeah. Right? Well, if we think back to, let's say, film, mm -hmm. what problem was film solving? Because I feel like you could look at that and be like, oh, but that was just entertainment. And mm -hmm. so that's a, is that a different story? Is that playing devil's advocate and being Ooh, like, is that? That's like, what is the, mm -hmm. what is, what problem is entertainment solving? Right. Like, or, or gaming. What is the value like, why of... has, you know, certain gaming has blown up and like, Twitch, Jesus. I mean, oh. like, it, I mean, it's like, who thought, what problem was that solving? Yeah. You like, know? I need to watch this person play video games right. for me so, right. for like eight mm. hours a day. But it was solving, it was, it was discovering mm. a need, which mm -hmm. is that kids want it and kids and, and adults and whoever um, want to actually watch and connect with people through mm. watching mm. others play games. Because I think what's interesting about that is, you had a lot of quote unquote gamers like sitting maybe, you know, alone, like it's fun to play these games with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have friends that are into it or or you can't it's not convenient, like they're not at the house with you, their parents won't let them out, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, mean that's a way of, of finding a community, right? Like yeah. it started with connecting through you can speak into the thing and like, yeah. you know, with Halo and all this stuff. But but now you can actually literally like see someone playing and watch them as if it's in your living room and they were your friend playing and they're skilled yeah. at what they do. And they're talking to their audience the whole time. Right. Often and, yeah. yeah. So 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 that's an interesting example of like you wouldn't have said that that was a problem mm -hmm. to start with, mm -hmm. but yeah. you're but you're discovering a need. And with film, I don't know the answer. I'm sure we could look it up and if yeah. we have listeners, maybe someone will know. <laughs> but it's like, was it that they needed to capture things like wars? Was it was it solving a, a you know, what was ultimately advancing film and storytelling and all of that? Was it solving problems or was it purely just which it might still be the same case as it is in like VR and all of that. Yeah. Just people gritting it out, not making any money, you know? <laughs> Was it? For life. It's still to this day <laughs> in independent film. People you know what I mean? extremely indie, passionate yeah, about. In, it, it's a passion yeah. project. It's just yeah. passion. So it's I think that might just be donation. how it is. It's going to be the exact same thing, which is just that there's going to be money to be made in certain areas. I was going to say, it's kind of, it's mm. a new business case off of theater. Is 
if I have this sort of live performance happening right. and there's this camera thing, what if we use the camera to film actors doing things and then I could take it and basically sell that experience to more to people. people. They don't have to be in person. Yeah, they don't have to yeah. be at the theater. Right. And yeah. then you just happen to discover all these advantages. Like I can control the shot and I can right, do different right. angles. And, right. But that's yeah. going to be and that's in, in some that's ways. incidental almost. It is. And, and in some ways it's almost like in support of the big massive gaming projects where it's like, well, if they're going to get the audiences, if they're going to get people to put headsets on <laughs> and start to bring it into families and bring the cost down mm. and figure out some of this stuff well maybe that's a good thing like we shouldn't hate too much on it um (laughs) like the 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 capitalistic aspect of it is what incentivized us to actually explore that medium more. right what's interesting i just learned today actually so it was from my friend yang yang who is from china so i don't Mm -hmm. know if this is the case in china or if he just knew it from other countries but he said that outside of the u.s the short film culture is very different basically like the fact that we have a hard time finding short films Mm -hmm. here like it's just in festivals and that's pretty much it you don't really like go out of your way you have to go like spelunking yeah yeah exactly you have to go spelunking (laughs) yeah to find it you have to like remember a name Mm -hmm. from a festival which by the way it's blocked for like a year and then you're never gonna remember it because they can't release it until then and huh, um, and that there's this whole culture that we have around short films, which make them really inaccessible, that, which makes it really hard to make money to off of them. Yeah, yeah, and there's no like real central platform where we can watch short films, like, and where he was saying outside of the U.S., they actually will show them on TV or like maybe oh. in maybe in our you know maybe there's a forum like Netflix or something that does that, but. I think coming back full circle, it's like, so we could say, oh, well, it's all going to be the same. And these experimental experiences in VR is just never going to make any money. They're going to have this life just like um, independent short films do or just independent films where they're really powerful and there is a community around them, but it's a tough, tough business. Yeah. Or maybe we take lessons from that. And mm-hmm. understand, like, wh- how do we fix that? Why is it that independent films and short films got to be that way when there is such a community around it, yeah. you know? So, I don't know. I hope it gets fixed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think distribution in this space is uh, it has a lot of uh, a interesting problem, problem to solve. Yeah. yeah. And I am in the kind of distribution type of... Yeah. Uh, I want to find a way that... Um, VR can be more accessible mm-hmm. in more places. Right. And VR is very similar to short film, right? right. Six to eight minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there are several ways to do it. One is um, having an Amazon uh, Netflix version that allow people to watch that short experience or experience that short experience at home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or have lowercase immersive square everywhere and the people just go out and hey let's go experience a five short tonight mm-hmm. yeah so there are all different ways to solve it yeah yeah you're uh to tangent back to the twitch uh situation where like there's people that have an audience and they're engaging directly with them mm-hmm. um that made me think to like the just the uh, earlier question just why are there celebrities at all or like what is the novelty of celebrities because that's basically a case where somebody becomes a celebrity and it's through this medium where Mm. their whole audience can engage directly with them in real time on a regular basis and basically develop Mm, a sort of one-to-many relationship with them yeah and still be able to give input every now and then but what is it is it just a more fundamental psychological part of humans that we 
that we are entertained or we feel like we need to engage with some sort of uh, person or medium like that. Mm-hmm. And what does that serve? Like, what do we get out of that? Right. I don't have the answer for that. but That's interesting. It makes me think we need VR uh, celebrities. That's basically what it means. Yeah, we, we, we need VR streamers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, have there been any um, cases like that? They can do someone... Someone in a VR chat room, celebrity mm. come to VR. Oh, that, that's the thing, you right? You have Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Avatar yeah. actually takes away that connection with the right. VR personality. Yeah, with that person. That's yeah. Yeah. I feel like Twitch is so easy, like because literally anybody that can get, grab, they can get on a browser or mm. a phone can just hop on there. It can and be watch like a somebody. passive experience, like yeah. they're just doing it while in the room. With you can put people. it on in the background. Yeah. And just have it going all day. And a lot of people, I feel like, do that while right. they're doing other things. But, like, VR is so – you have to be kind of intentional about it right now in the present form. Very intentional. Yeah. Like Determined, like, intentional, <laughs> go all the way <laughs> out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt everything else I'm doing <laughs> in, and potentially punch walls. And see and an things. avatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's for now. I, think, yeah, I do right think now, that – the barrier. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a barrier. Um, but as that lowers, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get VR streamers. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, I do I do think that VR industry lack I hope it's happening soon, a personality that's only existing in the VR industry. That's defined by that. Defined. Yeah. You can only go to VR to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. every I think that's just because everything else that we've adapted to VR is from a pre-existing industry it's for always, the most part. Because that's how the titles get, you know, you know, the studios partner with some existing copyright make another vr version of a disney uh story yeah so in people's head there's a there's a notion that there's a character exists on flat screen um Mm -hmm. i guess like basically the vast majority of everything that we've been doing in vr thus far is like to use a term from the video game industry it's like a it's a port yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's a port from existing mediums or experiences in those forms to VR, and we're not we're not making that much of like VR specific. Right, it's only something you can do there. Right. to come back to your statement. Yeah, yeah, we need more of that. <laughs> well, everyone's always talking about it's another thing beaten to death: the killer app. <laughs> <laughs> what is the killer app? Not, oh, maybe Beat Saber. <laughs> <laughs> So well, that's, that's basically like, Guitar least, Hero. Well, everyone's just like, at least we have Beat Saber. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I feel like the people who created Beat Saber just had no idea yep. that that's what they were creating. And everyone's just like, thank God for Beat Saber. Beat Saber so saved VR. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only reason we still, we're still doing this. Yeah, no. I really do think, I mean, all jokes aside, that what you're doing, Jude, is part of exactly what we need. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so necessary to make it accessible, to get it out to people, to create Mm -hmm. connection Mm -hmm. over it. And people are not going to come to us. I mean, I can barely, with all (laughs) my experience, have the patience sometimes to set up the headset and do the things I want to do. And I just, we have to bring it to the people. And we have to find the best ways of doing that and finding the best audiences. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you're doing that. So I hope that... 
in two years, you reevaluate and <laughs> and there's really no need to because you're just. I hope so. I have, I'm yeah. striving for it every single day. <laughs> we'll check the Excel sheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah we will. T- <laughs> but all colors will be green. Yes, <laughs> the tabular data will look much more optimistic. Anyways, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's yes, always awesome it's talking to you, and we just really appreciate the time. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you yeah, so much. Very yeah. in-depth discussion. Thank you. it's us again hey hey there (laughs) we are still in the same frame of mind as in the intro we're still awkward yeah but we hope you enjoyed that episode absolutely i mean we definitely did Mm -hmm. we thought it was a markedly different than some of the other conversations we've had before yep Uh, a lot more focused on sort of the product and business struggle side of surviving in this space yeah and i loved that yep Jude is somebody worth following, as all of our guests are, and uh, she's an amazing. We know how to pick She em. is an amazing <laughs> human being, and, and yeah, you should follow her. No, but uh, really, um, okay. Where so, can you follow her? Though? Okay, so this is where. Hold on, I'm pulling it up, Jay. Uh, I'm in, impatient. I just right. want to know. Okay. Here we go. So Immersive Square, you can uh, go to ImmersiveSquare.com. That's where you can find those events. Right. Highly suggest that. That is so her business. Immersive Square, spelled just like you would spell it. ImmersiveSquare.com. Immer- yeah. Look it we'll up in a dictionary. It, yeah. It's Immersive and then Square. We'll also link it <laughs> in... Com. Right, dot com, which is dot com. Right. Okay. That was a bad joke. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> like comrade or... Yeah. C as in Charlie. Or oh my God, we're co- so annoying. Okay, so, uh, all right. So immersivesquare.com, that's where you can find out more information about that company and also find those events that they're putting on, right. which is great. The other thing is you can follow Immersive Square on Twitter at Immersive Square. Once again, spelled very... <laughs> the way that you would find it in the dictionary. But also if you forget <laughs> what we said or how to spell Immersive Square, have no fear because we will link this in our website. What's our website, The Jay? show notes are here. Oh, Ooh. have no fear the show Show notes are here. Yeah. Uh, our website is realityquestpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you can find all of our latest episodes and show notes for each so that you can dig a little bit deeper if you want to connect uh, with guests. That yeah. We have. And I would like to just put some hype on the show notes because okay. we talk about a lot of different obscure things, <laughs> also things that are references. not obscure. But either way, Jay and I have started doing show notes, which means anytime you want to go back and see some of those things we referenced, the experiences, the books, whatever it is, the articles, we are putting that on the website. So you can go to the website and find all of those links just for you. We do this (laughs) for you. Blood, sweat, and tears. Right. Your labor of love. It is all for you. Yeah. Okay. What else? So that's that's the website. Uh, where else can they find us? You can also find us on Twitter yeah. at reality underscore quest mm-hmm. and Instagram at reality quest podcast. Mm-hmm. That is probably those are those two are probably our best sort of venues right now where you can see the latest yeah. posts and art for the episodes, yeah. which 
I I think is pretty cool. But right. you know, that's just me. <laughs> wow. Um, Self promotion. Yeah. Well, finest. you know, it Jay was does weird... the art. So and actually, no, genuinely, it's so good. I I love it. We also share pictures of us. We right. did like a, a photo time. shoot. And um, in like space, space suits. Oh, I was a photo shoot in space. I don't remember Not that. Not in experience. space. No, in space, in space onesies. Yes, space pajamas. And so once in a while, you get some of those golden nuggets. <laughs> uh, I actually, this is so random, but I wanted to share that I recently started posting on Twitter more. I've confessed in previous episodes where I am not on Twitter at all, and I just want everybody to know that I'm working on it. And I've started. <laughs> it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, and this actually isn't through the Reality Quest one. But your that's fine. Twitter. But that's okay. Maybe I'll. It'll help me. It'll right. guide me into doing more with Reality Quest Twitter. Right. But I've also been on a on a journey, a, yeah. a quest of oh, my own. Wow, nice. <laughs> to to be open and real on yeah. Twitter. Ooh. Um. Yeah. So it's not something that comes naturally to me either. Ugh, no. But Ugh. you know, yeah. whatever. We could all get better at things. That's one of my goals for this year. Right. Yeah. The one I, I started, I'm doing the same as you trying to post real things. And also somebody told me just start with retweeting things. I'm right. like, yes. Oh, excellent. I can do that. <laughs> and so I'm just trying to do that. And of course, like I end up retweeting the weirdest stuff. Like I think one of my posts of like my five Twitter posts I've ever done is just like about Eminem's latest uh, performance at the Oscars. <laughs> Eminem. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Eminem, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Eminem did a performance at the Oscars and he performed Lose Yourself. And everyone, this, this recent Oscars, okay? Yeah. You remember what year Lose Yourself was from? Everyone yeah. was like, what Wasn't is like happening years right behind? Now? Uh what was it? Wasn't it like it was like 10, 15 years behind? Yeah. I mean, like so when... basically he was supposed to perform like they Originally. invited him to perform when Eight Mile, the movie came out. Right. Can't remember the year or whatever, uh, but definitely a while mm-hmm. ago. And then I guess the idea was that he was coming back in order to to fulfill what he had missed before. Yeah. So, I mean, I love Eminem to death. Literally, no hate on Eminem. Uh, I That's like the only uh, thing. Like his rap songs I have memorized, and it's stupid. I know that he like is awful to women sometimes, so I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. But whatever. Love Eminem, always have. And he performed Lose Yourself. And the best part about watching that performance is watching the reactions of all of the audience, which is just like a lot of uh, white people just like, like getting so intense with their face (laughs) and like bobbing and then it'll like go to Martin's yeah and then like (laughs) it's just like kind of like concerned almost but super into the music right and then a lot and then it will just like suddenly show somebody like Martin Scorsese who looks like his eyes are closed like he's just kind of sleeping or something (laughs) (laughs) anyways again we'll link that in show notes so you guys can enjoy it too these kinds of obscurities if you want to enjoy (laughs) further because our two and a half hour episodes are not enough right you can go and look us up on realityquest.com. Totally, yeah. And hey, friendly reminder that uh, we love your support. And honestly, one oh, of yeah, the best yeah. things you can do for us is subscribe and rate our podcast on whatever, whichever platform you review it at or mm-hmm. listen to it on. And so that would be super helpful to us. We can uh, keep growing a following. And then there's also ways you can monetarily support us, which is to donate on coffee or Ko-Fi, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Which is like great for just literally buying us coffee. Yeah. Or 
Patreon. Yeah, Patreon, right. right. Yeah. Patreon is a great way to subscribe and support us on a recurring basis yeah. each month. If you really enjoy the episodes that we put out or you benefit a lot from the uh, material and the content that we're creating and the people that we bring on, the ideas, the thoughts, whatever, uh, support us through Patreon. That's yeah. a great way to show solidarity. Yeah, and, so that we can buy more yeah. candles for our yeah. romantic recording, yeah, yeah. More, recording evenings. More Chesapeake Bay mind <laughs> and body candles. Serenity <laughs> and calm <laughs> for better podcast hosts. Yep. So there you go. There yeah. you have it. Um, tune in next week for Thoughts on Thoughts. We yeah. are now doing a weekly basis release. We're Hashtag that out. Tots. Tots, hashtag tots. Tots, 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 tots. That's going to be our intro song for those, I think. Yeah, everybody. All right. Anyways, we don't know how to finish things. Are we done here? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening.